Excuse me, what are you doing? Minding my business. <laughs> I, uh, I'm working on sleeves. You're making a jacket, right? Yeah. Papito, I give you two hours of my time if you don't ask me no more questions. All right, deal. Good. <laughs> <laughs> right, you taking my time. What you working on, Papito? I'm making a nanya. A none of my business? None of your business. <laughs> Listeners, welcome back into the workroom, a labor of love dedicated to the tearjerker slash Peabody Award winner slash fashion gauntlet that is Project Runway. I am Ernez. And I'm Patricia. And yes, Patricia's back this week in the workroom. Welcome back, Patricia. So wonderful to have you all the time. <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me back. I, I, I really like being here, so thank you. Yay! If you'd like to follow us, here's our social media spiel up top. Follow us on facebook.com forward slash the workroom and on Instagram at the workroom podcast. And of course, on Facebook is where we drop our episodes and we put up the cheat sheet. And um, of course, you can leave us messages and slide into our DMs on either platform. And of, and again, to, <laughs> to remind you all, um, I've been live tweeting the episodes and it was so much fun to live tweet the last episode, which is, um, and I figured it out. It is, it was, it is the, the panel ultimate episode. I know that sure. um, Nalan and I sort of had a back and forth where, of course, I think Nalan understood this better than I did, that this is not the last episode, not a two-parter, but is um, officially the last challenge before Fashion Week. Um, mm-hmm. And so I will also be live tweeting the finale. So join me there on Thursday, uh, mm. nine o'clock Eastern time on the hashtag Project Runway or the hashtag the workroom podcast. So yeah, it's been fun. Um, all right. So let's get into it. So what is really interesting about this is that again, this is an iconic portion of project runway where it is the home visits. It's it's the quote unquote studio visits or the home workroom visits. (laughs) And (laughs) I think this is another moment where we get to see how different this is from Lifetime because we meet Christian just on the streets of Santa Fe. He (laughs) walked there from New York City. We don't have any of the Lifetime fixings here with Tim Gunn driving around in a 2011 Saturn Sky Roadster. Christian just rounds the corner and there he is. Um, in a blazer, you know. In a, I know, in a, in a a brown blazer and in a brown city with brown walls and brown houses. There's just a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of brown and taupe and tan, um, going on in 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 New Mexico, which I thought was really interesting. Um, kind of very breaking Breaking Badish. This this is the the backdrop for Breaking Bad. So it's like, yeah, yeah, no, this looks like New Mexico, I oh. guess. <laughs> That's so funny. I've never seen that show, but I do remember Christian's feather lapel, or not lapel pin. Lapel. Yeah, his La- pin lapel his brooch. <laughs> his his brooch on his lapel. Yes. Yeah, he's all yes. 
he's already um santa fe mystery is there i know i mean because and it's like you think he dressed up for santa fe he's like you know what i'm going to match the background i want to color coordinate with what's going on over here i'm getting like a brown vibe i'm getting like you know a southwest vibe and so you know i don't know I wouldn't put it past so what, how, does that, how does that happen? Does Christian's assistant call up Hester and says, hi, Hester, it's Millie from Christian Siriano's office. Can you send us a picture of your house, please, so we know how to film, how, do we, how to set the scene for when Christian enters your house? Like, how does that? That is how it works. See? <laughs> right? Or is it, was it really just, I, I don't know nothing's accidental on tv <laughs> no, no no that is how it works um they sent the they sent the, the photograph and he was like oh my god even the concrete is tan so my blazer has to be a camel so <laughs> <laughs> I but don't show me your workroom yeah in the design of that house from the outside i was like that is so beautiful just with the wood kind of siding, um, like reclaimed wood looking siding and then the multi-tiered roofing. Uh, I just, that house looked so nice from the outside. Yeah, it's great. I mean, because to me, it just looked like like a track home. <laughs> I don't know why like, it's funny. Like what? It, it, it weirdly what? reminded me of the time where I lived because, you know, we'll get to Bishmi next. But I lived in Baltimore for a summer. And but not in Baltimore proper. I lived in White Marsh, and it and and it was like a it was like a light blue, I don't know, condo looking place with, uh, white borders. It looked like it should have been a beach house, but it was flat in the middle of I guess what used to be a marsh, um, well called White Marsh, oh. or whatever, a very suburban type place, and uh, it just kind of brought back terrible memories of having to live out there oh. and commute. Baltimore is great, but White Marsh is, I'm sorry if you live in White Marsh, <laughs> listeners, but this is back in the early aughts when it was first being developed and there's a lot of new stuff going up. So it looked super new. I mean, and, and her house to me looked just like that. And it's, you know, I can imagine that Santa Fe is also a place that's, you know, being um, that's you know on the cusp of like development and population growth and stuff like that. But um, but I but I what yeah. I thought was really wonderful about it is how everything outside was so brown and um, but I I think I I love how you like that it was a very interesting look because I I I just overlooked everything that was beautiful <laughs> about it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we can have you know, different, different qualities of beauty for me. When I saw that house from the outside, I was like, Oh my God, that tiered roofing and that kind of post Soviet thing. It looks like Macau in the nineties, <laughs> you know, because I, I did go to Macau in the nineties and that's how some parts of, of the archipelago actually, that's how they sort of looked. Interesting. So, and yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. To me, it's, it's so quintessential like New Mexico. I mean, there's the other, um, uh, contestant that we visited Patricia also Patricia Patricia from um, I can't remember her season um, but when Tim visited her on her, her reservation I think that's the only other time we've been there but um, you know very different but also so different when he walks up of course and opens the door and inside is quintessential 
Hester Sunshine. <laughs> it is just like yeah. a color explosion and, you know, just so much. It's just a very, very different vibe in there. Um, even starting with the rainbow mat out front. I mean, and Christian, of course, is just yeah. like, oh, my God. It's like we're in the middle of a video game. It's amazing in here. Oh, my God. And in a, in a yeah. way, it's just like, oh, my gosh, was Christian just you know, walking through all that blah. And then here we are into, you know, Hester's mom's live painting. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. 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 And everything was so just kind of, everything was just so like very orderly, you know, busy, but orderly busy. Yeah. You know, which is interesting because, okay, so let's get to Hester because again, there is no like dilly dallying here. Christian walks around a corner. He's already in New Mexico. He's in Hester's house and he's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Great. Let's go to your workroom. It feels like Tokyo in here. Let's see what you're working on. Um, and she's, what is she doing? She's doing Y2K Rococo or no, Y2K Coco. <laughs> that is the name of her collection. Right. Um, right. So she's going back to this Rococo period, but we go to her workroom and it's just kind of filled with a lot of work she's got four mannequins already dressed and she's got her inspiration wall um but yeah she's kind of to me she's okay again listeners so hester is on my bracket and i am so proud of her i'm so proud of i've so on twitter i was calling her finale hester as opposed to first episode hester um because i feel like she's leaning into her real inner world and she's I, I don't mind hearing Rococo over and over and over again. I think she's kind of found something that really works for her. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts about like digital tech slash Rococo period. And I really enjoyed hearing her kind of smash those two things together. Um, because I don't really know much more about it or other than the aesthetics of it, which she has already explained to us with this, um, you know, kind of very busy, hyper um, visual quality, very, again, like very busy, but orderly busy. But yeah, I don't know. What were your thoughts? Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, I think so. Okay, I, I, I have like two years of undergrad art history. And I remember like, very specific things. Yes. Um, so I'm no expert on Rococo, but I do know that it's very or ornate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much for the upper class in the way that we re- study like Rococo, the Rococo style and period and application. Mm-hmm. But I think it no longer means that. But I also think that Hester's aesthetic, uh, I mean, for me, I think about, okay, I haven't seen the camp show at the Met. I am, that is like, on my list to do this week because yeah. I really want to see that show. But I think that camp and Rococo have a lot in common in the same way that I think Hester has her own kind of campiness that does come from this um, ornate, elaborate, embellished, but it has its own order, you know? Yeah. And um, if you want to look at kind of like painting of Rococo, there's the Frick, um, is actually where I was directed to go hmm. um, and specifically to look at these four paintings. Um, um, 
I'm pretty sure the name of the artist is Francois Boucher. And the paintings are of um, the four seasons. It's like mm -hmm. the same scene, but winter, spring, summer, autumn, blah, blah, blah. And even though they, they are idyllic scenes, everything about it is completely embellished mm -hmm. to the point where it almost seems artificial. And I, say, I think that line between artifice and embellishment, um, that tension is very present in camp and it's very present in Hesser's Rococo. Hmm. The way I see it, the way I see it, I think Nayland would be here and like correct me on three points that I just made, <laughs> at least. <laughs> but, and I would welcome that. I know I we're all like that. perpetual students. Uh, like, was that right? Was that? <laughs> you know what? For me, like I love learning. So I, yeah, I actually, somebody asked me like, what I did for work the other day. And I said, I'm a lifelong student of photography. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of pompous, but it's actually the most truthful thing I can say, you know? Yeah. Um, um, you know, yeah, no, I think that's amazing because so, you know, cause she has, I, cause I spotted on her, um, on her mood board or her, her, her wall um, was a painting that actually, I mean, because, you know, my background is in photography, I'm much more apt and much more adept <laughs> at talking about photographs, um, and not so much as, like, identifying the actual paintings, but there is a, um, I believe it was a Velasquez painting, and um, it's one that I remember because, um, for some reason, it was, like, focused on, um, and I wasn't really even sure if that was something that was from the Rococo period, but I remember that it was from um, a, like a royal Spanish family. And um, it also was, you know, wrapped up in an art history class that I took that was mostly focused on talking about <laughs> how royals um, are so inbred and how sometimes that is visualized through paintings. Um, or, you know, like those things are kind of parts of the narrative. And so, but I was, I looked at it, I was like, oh yeah, I know that. I, at least I know that painting or that part of, um, art history that she's referencing, but not really particularly sure if it was Rococo, but, um, very fascinated that that was on her mood board wrapped up in like matrix code from, you know, the nineties or whatever. And, um, just a bunch of other stuff and these weird, you know, angelic type paintings that she's manipulating digitally for her clothes. Um, yeah. It was also very fascinating to me just to see a little bit more of Hester and sort of her art historical background and how deep that goes. But also, you know, I really liked the way she was approaching it from this intellectual point of view, but having this very um, kind of, crazy and dizzy aesthetic but it's it's you know underneath like, mm -hmm. I think the concept is so strong and so fascinating yeah I do too and yeah. I think she has such a strong a strong kind of sense of what she wants to produce mm -hmm. you know so I think that it's it's really wonderful to see the mood board it's really wonderful to see the collection progress. I actually thought it was really exciting. This is actually the most exciting part of the whole season for me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, same. You know, to see how they, how they work and where they work and all the little things that are behind the vision. I'm, I'm really excited by that. 
Yeah, I mean, because they've got they've gotten so much more time. This is one of the reasons why I was really excited that they gave them five months, as opposed to like six weeks, which is typical um, of the Lifetime series, I should say. And, um, but also something that I really loved is that Christian, and we'll see this throughout. Christian is doing an amazing job of focusing the designers on remembering what was the takeaway from their final critiques. And I think with him, he brought up Elaine, who emphasized that Hester needs to focus on her finishing and her fabric choices. Because so as we go through her workroom and we get to see what she's working on, um, there's a lot of close ups. So not a lot of because they don't want to really show us everything. But it looks like there's a lot of like organza, a lot of light colored things and digitally printed cottons and um unfortunately uh, but i guess typically a lot of d-rings i was hoping never to see another d-ring or to like have that be a part of it but um yeah yeah but there is this one outfit that i noted that sort of looks like a failed piece that she made i think on the first or second episode but seeing it here you know, like a resemblance of something that she's done before, but it's like a first or second episode Hester. But now we have finale Hester, who is a lot more confident and um, and and thoughtful and has a better grasp of what she's actually doing. I was just kind of, I don't know, I thought it was really wonderful to see those things come back. And I'm like, wow, wow, I wonder what she's going to be doing with that or how she's going to bring that forward. But it's not like a, it's not a copy. It's, it's just like a more developed Hester so yeah 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 no I loved it um yeah but one thing I thought was really interesting so Christian is going through and he's like oh my god it's so busy you need a solid it's like a lot of look you need a breather like from texture and print and color wise nah. and so she's like okay thanks Christian but I'm not gonna do that bye <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, but, and, and, and I kind of, that's kind of the end of it. And again, we don't get to meet, so we, we've met Hester's wife. That's it. We don't get to meet anyone else in the family. We don't get to, get to meet like the rainbow bright cult troop that she's probably hanging out with, or we don't get mm-hmm. to go to the, like the teen center that she's building. Um, New Mexico. Right. Right. We don't, we don't get to go march for immigrant rights with her. No, we don't do anything. <laughs> There's so many things that Hester's doing in New Mexico, but all we get to see is her house and you know, the outside Brown. So, <laughs> but anything yeah. else before we move on to Sebastian? No, no, that's it. No, I remember seeing a little, a really cute bat on 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 her wall that I really liked. I really like little <laughs> little bats. <laughs> so no, was, there, that's a, was it a rococo bat? Or, I don't know what that was. Like, no, but you know what? When you were just while we were talking, I um, pulled up the episode and I, I looked at the mood board. I don't think that's Velasquez, but I don't know what who that painting is. Oh yeah, I want to know. I think it definitely is. Um, I remember that little girl. And yeah, I just remember her, that little girl. Um, I'll look it up. Hopefully, man, if I got that wrong. Anyway, it's a, it's okay. If any of the you listeners know, know, feel free to send us a message. Oh, I, I guess just to, it, I, between like being on my phone with you and looking at my um, 
super old iPad. I, I could look it up, but it's going to take too long. So I'll just okay. move right yeah. along. Well, listen, just fill us in. Fill us in on your art historical background and tell us who that painter was. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go to Fort Lauderdale, a.k.a. the Gay Island. So we're, <laughs> we're down there with Sebastian. Um, and so Christian, who I have to say is getting a lot of talking heads. And this is one of the things that he was so good at on a season of Project Runway. And I've missed it. I didn't know how much I needed a Christian interview time until they started doing this for this episode. I was like, I would love like a little talking head from Christian every, every episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's good. Yeah. So we get to know that Christian's like, I used to come here all the time. Like, I love it. It's great. Fort Lauderdale. It's great. Oh my God. It's like Fire Island, but it's not. So he goes, um, meets up with Sebastian and, uh, we get to meet Sebastian's husband, Matthew. And uh seems really sweet. Yes, it's so sweet. Um but yeah, I, I totally forgot that he was that he was married. <laughs> Even though we we he did have that whole um uh scenario where he talked about missing his family and having to be here because he can't leave the country because he's married and how immigration works for a while. I totally forgot. Um yeah. that Sebastian's taken. So anyway, but his husband's super tall. Um, sounds like he he grew up in the middle of a cornfield and uh, a field of potatoes. Has one of those gosh darn G Willikers and any voices up there. He's just really sweet and adorable. Um, and sounds like somebody you can count on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and Sebastian talks about that, like you know, kind of how you know he wouldn't be able to get this far if it hadn't been for. His angel. Oh, wait, no, no. That's what Matthew calls Sebastian. So Matthew calls Sebastian his angel. Oh, hey. That cracked me up. Whatever. So cute. <laughs> All right. So, again, we only meet the spouse. And then we run into the workroom. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I also have to say, once as we're going into Sebastian's workroom... The music that starts playing in the background is to me sounded very real housewives. <laughs> it's like kind of like these because he's making these sort of like these wavy objects, but there's bongos and this like fake cheap electric piano and a fake upright bass <laughs> sound. <laughs> and Christian is kind of like, oh my God, you've made so much. And there is a lot. It's a very yeah. ordered and well just set up workroom it's so i don't know it's very formal to me um yeah, yeah i don't know what do you think about sebastian's workroom it didn't surprise me i think for someone who is that intent and intense with craftsmanship i think that level of control that was so apparent in how the work his, his workroom was organized did not shock me at all yeah i was like yeah that's right yeah <laughs> you know um and i liked it i liked seeing all the sketches there was a, a little quick pan of the, the sketches that sebastian's been working on i really liked looking at those yeah and they were really very vivid sketches and 
he has like cutouts of photographs that he's taken and everything is sort of lined up. Sort of reminds me if, if, if you remember and also if listeners remember the very first season of Project Runway with Jay McCarroll. Um, it was, I, it, I, I thought about that, like walking into Jay McCarroll's workroom and everything was lined up and was color coordinated. And the only reason why it was kind of shocking is because Jay is crazy. And then you, you go to his, you know, um, you know, he lives in like Pennsylvania and, you know, basically it's just in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania and his workroom is immaculate and, you know, walking to Sebastian. Yeah. It, it is not super surprising, but still so impressive and very professional. And, um, he's done a lot of work, but he's also kind of done this thing that I really don't quite understand, but we, we figure out later that it's leather and he's made these like leather interlocking chains and he's made it into a textile and we find also that his dad is also like a master leather worker who has helped him make his yeah. belts. I mean, I was just, I mean, I was like, holy shit. This is just Sebastian. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like Sebastian is a whole entire package. And since Sebastian is not on my bracket and Sebastian's on Nalen's bracket, Nalen has two people <laughs> in this, you know, in his finale four. And I was like, ah, shit. Just Sebastian's mm. just kind of working it. It's this. I'm. I'm. I'm scared. <laughs> for my um, but yeah. So so let's get into Christian's um critique of what's going on, and we we get from Sebastian that his inspiration comes from indigenous baskets and other um, textile um, techniques that are native to Colombia, and. He's making a lot of these interlocking textiles because they approximate palm trees. And we look around and Christian's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But you're looking like a tryhard right now. And he's like, it's so sophisticated, yeah. but it's a lot. So yeah, yeah. I I think I think Christian was right. Some of those pieces were overworked. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was a good thing for Sebastian to hear. Yeah. And I think a part of that overworking comes from something that Christian also brings up where he reminds him of Nina's parting words where, you know, to help him, he needs to focus in on who he's designing for, who the woman is. Yeah. And not necessarily that it has to be one particular woman, but I think for Sebastian, it's helpful to think about, um, just a, a, a series of decisions, like a person looking into their closet and what are they wearing from night to day and something that's typical because he's someone who has a problem of being able to do so much and being able to do, to do a lot. He's just a master work worker or a, a master crafter. I don't know. His craftsmanship is amazing. Um, yeah. But on top of it, he's very creative and able to make beautiful clothes because I think he's got this elevated sense of taste and I think it's interesting to see what could possibly happen if you're not really able to or you haven't gotten to the point where you're able to kind of hone in your skill and your taste level which is so like so supremely high um into like a very cohesive concept yeah and also I think that 
I think Sebastian is a highly attentive person to movement. And of course, as, as, as he has demonstrated throughout the season, exceptional control over material. Oh, when yeah. I saw some of those overworked details, for example, um, there was a oh, beautiful color orange, like this kind of um, autumn orange. I don't mm. know how to describe it. A coral, a post-coral orange. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> It, it's a 22nd century orange. <laughs> so <good. Sorry. laughs> Let's go. No, no, no. Um, I actually really like that color. Mm. I'm very partial to orange and jack. But, 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 but. So in the, um, in the jacket, there were all these zippers. And I thought, hmm, inspired by baskets. I wonder if those zippers are actually functional. Hmm. Like if we can slip like a phone in there, a wallet, a small wallet in there, and maybe a chapstick, and then we're done. You know, we can throw that on all day and then just kind of move from thing to thing without having to carry a lot of stuff, right? So I had a a lot of questions um, about the functionality of those garments in relationship to the inspiration. So I I was actually really excited about that. I wanted to know more about all all these details and figuring out, okay, they seem overworked, but are they like, and again, I think there's, I I don't think, um, Sebastian, because he has a little bit of a failure complex because he Mm -hmm. has had, had, had a design store and it, it, you know, it did not go well the first time around or maybe even the second time around. So he's here with all this incredible craft, but also like, oh my goodness, like, Mm -hmm. I think he has not yet, um, I mean, it's funny for me to say this, but he has not yet learned how to plan for his own success. Hmm. He's just sort of kind of reacting to his skill, reacting to what he can do. And um, so that's what I'm, why I was so excited to ha- see him have that interaction with Christian. It's like, and I wish Christian would do that a little bit more. It's sort hmm. of when... When Sebastian says things like, oh, I don't know who my woman is. I don't know this or that. I don't know what my story is. I make clothes. I don't make a story. The clothes speak for themselves. I wish that Christian could kind of gear the, the, the mentor role towards, okay, so where do you see yourself going, right? Because if mm-hmm. you don't know who you're, you may not know exactly who, you, who your woman is, but where do you see yourself going in like 10 seasons from now, right? So how can you plan for your own success 10 seasons from now? Yeah. I think that might be helpful. I don't know why I just went on this tirade about that. But <laughs> that's what that whole like post-coral orange made me think about is sort of where Sebastian really needs a mentorship, I think, is in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I mean, I completely agree with you because you know, when you, gosh, yeah. When you said like, okay, inspired by baskets, it reminded me of, um, there was a piece that he made that had way too much going on on the right lapel. It it looked like there are five layers of zippers on that side, but in a way, because of course, um, longtime listeners will know that I am a sucker for outerwear. I love it. Didn't see enough of it on the season. Um, but if you had if you if you actually made a trench coat or a really lovely wool coat 
inspired by baskets and all those things are functional and I wouldn't have to carry around like a messenger bag or I would have to plan my day knowing that, you know, all these zippers function and I could kind of put something in there. You know, that's, you could design for me. Like I could be the person that you're designing yeah. for. You know, but uh, but yeah. I think you're so right because I, I I think Sebastian is in his way. If you went to him and told him, hey, Sebastian, the idea of a coat inspired by baskets where it's extremely functional and can revolutionize a, the way people who typically carry around bags or purses um, dress like your 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 way of working is a revolution to that. You know, I'm not really sure if yeah. he would be able to, to handle it or even, you know, take advantage of it. Um, because it's just something that he does. He's like, yeah, no, I, I can do that. I can do it. I'm like, yeah, but it's right, extraordinary. Right. It's absolutely. It's like he's so he's so creative, but he doesn't trust himself enough. Yeah, I think it's fear of failure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, because basically, what Christian's suggestion is um, is to pull something back and go for some basics. And Sebastian says, like, yeah, I'm not really good with the basics. He's like, yeah, just, like, make two things, all right? You're killing it. It's great. Make two more things because you can do that. You've got, like, a lot. You can make two basic things. Bye! (laughs) All right. So let's go off to Baltimore next. Um, So we're leaving Fort Lauderdale and we're off to Baltimore City. And yeah, so we're off to see, of course, Bishmi. And Christian is making his way to his studio wearing what at first what I thought was a like a polar bear bolero because it looked like. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. It looked just I like. I totally want a hooded polar bear bolero. <laughs> or should That's I say like. like what? Like you want or like like a like a I was thinking like polar bear bolero or I don't know a, a a sheep bolero or something. It just was a strange looking jacket that I don't even know if he understood how to dress for Baltimore. He's like, yes, send me a picture like 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 you said that he did with Hester's background. Send me a picture of what Baltimore looks like, and I want to dress like that with like a polar bear, half polar bear, half camouflage. This is amazing. It is autumn. I don't know just looked so weird um so yeah so we get to go to Bishmi's studio and um I think this is this is where I noticed that you know Christian was sort of doing this amazing job of reminding the designers of our parting words from the judges because um we kind of we we go straight to to Bishmi in a way talking about his parting words like it's just kind of like lasered into his brain he's like yeah so the last thing they told me um i remember what brandon said it's like listen and they have a flashback to brandon it's like bish me you've given us peplum shoulders lame collars v-necks and a pointy bustier so decide very clearly who you are and just show us that so it's kind of clear that he's been thinking about those parting words and his inspiration comes from abandoned buildings and just something else that he admits to this is like, it's just very heartbreaking that he, he, he was, when he applied for the show, he was homeless essentially and living in his studio space. Um, 
And so he wants to, So he, makes- since he felt like an abandoned building, he wants to approach his collection from a metaphorical point of view of like buildings in Bar- Baltimore that are actually abandoned and putting that into the silhouettes and the make of the clothes. But what were you going to say? I cut you off. No, no, I, I interrupted. It was me who interrupted. I just yeah, wanted to sorry. say that when he said, oh, I was homeless when I applied for the show, I, I like, you know, that scene in Emily, do you know this French film, Emily? Yes. No. Yeah. No, I do. So, you know, that scene where she dissolves into water, she becomes this like gloop of splash on the floor. Mm. That's how I felt on, on in this yeah whole thing yeah because I'm sort of like oh no go ahead no just that i was like oh okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean because we, we, we remember uh the background story from frankie who uh i think was limited in, in episode two or three that she was in between homes as well um yeah. after a, a very unfortunate situation with her longtime boyfriend where they were going to move and decide not to and so she was like i actually right now don't have a place to live and um yeah. and so that precariousness was really focused on emotionally because she she talked about it but bishmi did not talk about this um and i'm pretty yeah. sure if he had they definitely would have cut that in to the other episodes of the show um yeah, yeah. It's it was a very uh yeah, no, it, it really broke my heart to hear that. So um yeah. and I think the mood board it reminded I think he's looking at sort of like colors and textures and shapes and color palette and all these things that uh, I think I, I think that the mood board for us to look at it and take it at face value isn't helping. I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like, that's how I was looking at that mood board. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think he's seeing more than we can see into it, you know. Hmm. Because his collection has a lot of those, like, colors and shapes. You know, they're not literal. Even mm-hmm. though the pictures look so literal. They're like street shots. Like, that I kind of liked, you know. But just street shots, you know. Kind of yeah. ethnography. Or even ethnography kind of shots. And the collection is like orange sparkles and you know like fringy sparkly beautiful things you mm-hmm. know yeah no i think that's it's a great point i mean because he points out and you know we have to point we have to emphasize here that um the most uh, the standout thing about his collection is that there he has one and a half things done maybe no maybe one maybe one yeah. full outfit but not not that much and um and and i think what was interesting here is that um you know christian's looking over the the mood board and going back and forth and and um bishmi does point out that on one of the pieces that he's like yeah so i've kind of quilted this or patched it together to resemble bricks and um you know there's a bunch of brick buildings on his on his mood board um uh, you know kind of pieced together with a lot of these other sketches that he has um and i i really got swept away in his explanation of things where i was just like oh my gosh that's really really nice and look at that there's like a a, a blouse there that's got a lot of details a lot of you know um a lot of finishing done on it 
Um, and I totally just kind of forgot that there was only like two things because <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, what I see here is so interesting um, yeah. and, and kind of a wonderful interpretation of all that. But here we have Christians like, oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> what's next? What, what, what are you doing tomorrow? Yeah. So like, uh, okay. I mean, look at, look at this rack. There's just, there's just fabric here. <laughs> I mean, is this going to be a skirt? Is this going to be pants? Is it going to be short? Is it going to be clothes? I mean, uh, are you going to be clothes? I know. He's like, what's happening? He's so he's swirling around the workroom and he's so, he's so, he's just, he's like, I'm freaking out right now. And you have, okay. So I have a feeling that uh, I have to have, I have to have, I have to believe that Christian sort of pulled a little bit from what it was like to be in the room with Bishmi because this was such a push um, and more forceful than I think we've ever seen Christian where he yeah. moves to the, the mood board and points at a sketch. Which one do you like? And he's like, well, I love this one. Okay. So you like this one. You're going to make this. So, okay, let's go back to the rack and look at the clothes. Okay. So look at the fabric. Which one do you like? He's like, maybe this was like, I love that one too. So you're going to make this tomorrow. Right. Because yeah, yeah. I have a feeling that he since said Bishmi was in sort of a rut. Not just because there is a little done. Because I we have had visits. Of of course, this is Christian's first season doing that. And, you know, where Tim has shown up and like, oh, my God. First of all, we can go all the way back to Nalen's favorite, um, Aaron's season. The season that she won. Um, if you remember, Patricia. She, uh, so Aaron was um, uh, the the recent graduate from... Oh gosh, she went to a school in Massachusetts in Boston, and when when Tim showed up a week before uh, Fashion Week, she had nothing done, and she looked him straight in the face and was like, "I got it, I know what I'm doing, I'm all right." And Tim was like, "Are you sure?" He's like, "She's like, yeah, I got it, I'm good," um, and she was fine. But I think with here, there was something up with Bishmi, and Christian was like, "Okay, let me handhold you through the next step, and let's just." get you going let's just get you going so that's my yeah. rant about that that was I, I thought that was a good thing to do yeah yeah sometimes you kind of need that sometimes you really need someone who can just sort of work you through and who also at the same time can talk to you in a way where they know what will work and um yeah no I feel like we've all I've, I've just, definitely been there yeah or just to like remind to just remind someone like okay all, all this is is decisions what's the decision what's the next decision yep. and the next one and the next like breaking it down into steps steps in the shape of decisions so I thought yep. that was like a good a good little to me I saw it as a pep talk yeah yeah definitely like, you know, a Syriano pep talk, an anxiety laden pep talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a very buzzy. And I, yeah, I think that's a really good way of thinking about that. I remember, I remember one time where I was forced to make a bunch of decisions, and it was like looking back, it wasn't that. No, it was actually a big deal. But um, I really did need to be shoved into making a choice. I mean, at the end of it, I had a gigantic migraine, <laughs> but it was definitely needed. But also really tough so i really felt for bishmi during this um during this check-in here so yeah 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 all right christian lee's worried 
he definitely is somewhere is worried about um how how many decisions Bishmi has to make between um this this moment so he's meeting all of these designers two months in or yeah two and a half months in so they have about two and a half more months before fashion week so so yeah yeah all right so it's off to garo we're going to the bee cabin upstate the inspiration for save the bees is mm-hmm. his girl's <laughs> little, you know, hideaway up in Phoenicia, New York. I was like, oh, so great. So lucky. I mean, I, I love upstate and I'm upset at Garo because I'm jealous that he has. It's great. Um, it's a beautiful cabin looking thing. It is beautiful up there. Um, also, I think it's really funny how many, I like just how upstate, cities are named because there's also there's like a Rome up there and some Mm. other I think there's like Athena I don't know just upstate New York really likes it's you know old old world um like Roman and biblical time names of these places there's probably like a Syria up there you know where Khan's in the background being like uh you know (laughs) of course you would name it because you know where the Euphrates and you know, uh, Zenobia are blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Just the names of places of state just kind of blow my mind. Anyway, so a, yeah, go ahead. There's a Troy. There's, there, there's a Troy. There's a Syracuse. You're yep. not wrong. No, yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, there's Troy. Come on. Like, who do you think you are, New York? Anyway, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's really wonderful. So, so um, Christian walks from New York City to Phoenicia. Um, he's always on foot. <laughs> And it's a little bit country for him. He's like, I really thought that I would just kind of hop in a cab and go downtown to where Garo is. But, um, okay, this is nice. We're up here. This is actually kind of like peaceful. We're outside. This is all outside. So anyway, so we get to where Garo lives. And again, we get to meet Garo's partner, Don. Again, very briefly. Yeah. Um, and that's it. We go to Garo's workroom. So again, no family. We're not meeting any, any other significant others. Oh, and that's another thing that's interesting about Bishmi is that Bishmi, I think is the only person who we don't meet who has like someone else, which is another thing that really stood out to me with Bishmi's vision. It was just Bishmi and, and, uh, and Christian. Um, anyway, so, so yeah, any, any thoughts about this? part with Garo up in Phoenicia no I mean I was sort of like well can we talk about Garo's mood board yeah let's talk about it it's like what is it like galaxies and like black holes and stars and planets no bees yeah and like, like aren't you Egyptian, <laughs> the pyramids the camel you know uh the Ankh symbol some kind of like Star Trekky spaceship-looking entrance thing. Are there pyramids? Um, of course, there are pyramids. There is a photograph uh, <laughs> with pyramid. Yes, that is the only photograph. That I I think everything else was some sort of like it was. Well, I don't know. Um, that is the one that stood out to me the most. Okay. Um. Yeah, but yes, lots of space. And I'm sort of thinking, okay, so you had. 
enormous success with your space capsule a couple of episodes ago, but you can't base a whole collection off of something that worked for one challenge, and you are Garo. Um, mm. I think he knows what, what his actual challenge is, is to sort of tone down the sort of theatrics, mm-hmm. right? Work up, you know, may, let his craftsmanship show through and make something cohesive. That's his challenge. Yes, yes. But he's like, he's sort of like focusing on one challenge not everything that has been said over the course of all the challenges it seemed yeah i totally agree because again we get a flashback you know via christian to his um you know parting words but this time it's from from carly and she was like you have amazing ideas i think I make Carly and Christian sound just like, so I have to change it for Carly. She goes, (laughs) you have amazing ideas. You think in another galaxy, galaxy, galaxy. And so she said more things, but then I feel like Garl's mind just snapped and was like, oh, I am from another galaxy. That will be my collection. Because she said that word. He was like, I like galaxies. Like, I kind of did something that was from another place in time, like the Jetsons. Okay, she likes um, that. I think I'm just gonna keep going there. Yeah, so I think you're right. Um, and and also sort of like on top of that, on top of like you know making something cohesive, I think the problem with him is that he's it's opposite of Bishmi. He's made too many pieces. Like of all the people who maybe should have waited for a little bit of a um, a correction, it it. It could have been Garo. I mean, it would never have been Garo. He's he's not going to do that, but he he would have benefited the most from that um, because Christian is like, yeah, there's just it, it every piece looks very different from each other. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, and also you have to be really careful because Christian calls out that his issue is making wearable pieces. Um, again, Nina and Elaine have, I think the biggest problems with him out of everybody where they think that he's too costume and also not sophisticated enough. And Nina, again, it's just like, again, you're only here technically because you can sew. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So yeah. 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 And I think there's nothing wrong with making costume. Like that is a market. That is a valid thing. If he's good at it, he's good at it. But obviously here, because he wants to transcend what he's already good at, <laughs> I yeah. think. I, um, oh, that's interesting right? to, to, that you would say that because I don't think I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think he's trying no, to transcend I, I, anything. So here's the thing: I think he wants to. <clears throat> excuse me, pardon me. <clears throat> so adorable. I think he wants to. <laughs> I think he wants to, mm. but I think he is struggling with how. And I think mm. he's struggling with kind of how to adapt what he knows how to do towards what he wants to do, hmm. um, which is why he tends to sort of do. And again, he's very stuck on what he thinks is his um, uh, signature. What, what did he call it? A signature piece where everything has to have a corset. Yeah, that's fine. But I think signature style is so much more than one thing redone over and over so i think he's kind of stuck on that yeah so i think he wants to 
but he doesn't realize, maybe, maybe, how stuck he is. At the same time, if Madonna and Lady Gaga wear his corsets, why would he not do them? Right. right? If that's his, like, if that's his bread and butter for the bees, you know, like, why would he, <laughs> you know, throw that out of the apiary? No. <laughs> Sorry. I know. Yeah. Well, and it's. Because I think in a way like he's had the opposite of Sebastian. I think of him as like kind of like an like an alter Sebastian where, you know, I think, again, like your amazing point of Sebastian having this this failure complex. In a way, Garo has had this successful complex that has had yes. him stuck in a way of making that exactly. has, yeah, has proven that it's worked over and over and over again. So in, in a sense that he's he's got this. He's got a lot of what Sebastian, I think, is missing in terms of this confidence and, and honing in on what it is that you're good at. But then the opposite of Sebastian and that, like, there's just, you know, the movement and um, kind of going a little bit further or, yeah, just not honing in on, not necessarily honing in on one thing, but, um, yeah, just kind of like this exploration in a way. Um I agree. Yeah. To add to that, to like, you know, add to how I how right I think you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to say that also, unlike Sebastian, um, Garrow knows. Maybe not necessarily. Okay, he knows. I think he knows something really important. He knows what kind of person is going to want to move in what he makes. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's really useful. Yeah. It so, is. And that's so he I, I don't know if he knows who his quote quote woman is, because I think that he doesn't do like a single woman concept, which is wonderful. Hmm. Um, but but I think he knows, OK, a person who wants to wear this or I want to make these kinds of clothes. And I know how people who want to make these clothes want to move in them. And I think that's really important because he has that sense. And I think, to me, that's his strength. Yeah. And one that I think he can build on for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, all right. So more more thoughts on this later. Because. Um, yes. Yeah, no, this is, <laughs> this is, yeah. I could talk about this all day. This is great. Also, okay. Because, so this is the end of our, our workroom visits and I was so disappointed that this was only like 10 minutes of the show because I was hoping that it would be the whole entire show. Um, and I just have oh, to point right. out there's this wonderful moment um, where Christian and Garo go outside and Christian's just showing off. He's like, oh, my God, we're out in the wilderness, but we're still in New York. Like we're in New York, but we're upstate and I'm wearing camouflage. Am I camouflage? <laughs> Can you see me now? And girl, just this thing is like, yes. Rose's <laughs> like, hands at them. And I was like, I just, can we have more of this? This is the only, I just want more. I love the B-roll. I always love the B-roll. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so, um, but, but alas, so we don't get what we get during like lifetime. And also I would say, um, Project Runway 1. Bravo, <laughs> where we would have to like have dinner with the family. Christian doesn't want to meet anybody. So we're going back to New York and it's all of a sudden fashion week. So <laughs> sorry guys. 
This was like, I'm not dressing your grandmother, so I don't want to meet her. <laughs> I don't want to ask anyone about where you came from, um, what inspired <laughs> you, or what you think about how far they've come. I don't care. It's Fashion Week. I also have a collection to put together. So I'm going back to the New York City place. There. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. I'm <laughs> not Tim. I'm not going to look at your family albums. <laughs> I don't care about your like the things you like to eat. I don't care about the stuffed animals that you still have. I don't care. <laughs> Irrelevant. <laughs> oh, can I, can I talk about the next scene when Carly yes, comes in can. wearing this blue suit? So is that sky blue? No, to, to me that's like turquoise or cyan. What do you think? So I, I don't know anymore. I just don't know. To me, okay, so I I do think that it's it's not electric blue. It's more like a normal mm. Oh gosh. To me it's like oh god, I hate I really hate what I'm about to say. To me it's like a millennial blue. <laughs> oh. I'm very sorry. Sort of it's like It's quite a nice blue. Yeah, it's 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 so it seems like a neutral-ish blue just the way that millen- millennial yeah. millennial pink is kind of like a neutral pink. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm very sorry about that term. So, um, Carly cut her. Hair. Wait, say it again. Carly cut her hair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's and I I have to say that so Carly comes in to the workroom just as like the you know the designers are coming back and I actually don't know where they are anymore. So I don't think they're at the Navy Yard, but they're definitely in Brooklyn. And um, yeah. all their stuff is already there, but also, you know, again, I I call them the Fantastic Four. And listeners, you'll yeah. see this how this looks on the cheat sheet. I have to say, there's I there's a moment where um, Hester's pulling out her stuff, and then um, Sebastian, aka now kid brother Sebastian, and a little baby Bishmi go over there and they bother her and she's like, get away from me. Stop looking at my clothes. Like, leave me alone. It just feels like a family of siblings. It's just wonderful. Yeah. Anyway. It is it is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also have to like, you know, point out that as Carly comes in um in her millennial blue suit, Garo is like putting something that looks like what I would maybe consider is like a galactic swamp monster on his mannequin it is the ugliest (laughs) thing i've ever seen and just in time before we get to see what it looks like on a mannequin (laughs) christian and carly come in i was like oh thank god like can we just swing around and i don't want to look at that i don't want to see what that is um (laughs) i don't know if you notice that but uh anyway so so carly is there to just check in see how things are going what's happening and uh bishmi says he's nervous and i'm like yeah so what's wrong like what are you nervous about um and then we find out that bishmi actually has been going through a lot um he offers that his sister is has been diagnosed with colon cancer and that a family member since they last saw him has passed away and um it is just quite sad and um 
wait, say it again. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's just feeling kind of tragic um, with Bishmi. And of course, you know, I'm on Twitter at this point and just everyone on <laughs> everyone on Twitter. I, I you know, I, I think if there if there is a, a reunion show and I don't think there will be because, you know, usually there is a, a fan favorite. I think Bishmi would be hands down a, a fan favorite for the watchers. Um, so I think in, in particular, people were just kind of feeling it um, for him. Um, but we have to sort of like push through this because we're in the middle of another challenge. And that's, I think, the, pr- the primary reason we forget because uh, I think, oh, no, so sorry, Carly. But sometimes like we just do kind of forget like why she's there. But we forget that she's actually there to introduce the actual last challenge. <laughs> yeah so she's like yeah so bish me so sorry and so sorry to hear about your family um but we still have a challenge here so i'm sorry we have to move on um not all four of you will be going on to fashion week and this is where i was like oh right okay this makes sense anyway so um yeah because it's not like i've been podcasting about this show for the past three years like I was so confused. I think it was the, the most confused person about what this episode was. Anyway, so anyway, so yeah, there's one more challenge. And to get that challenge, they're going to go to Hearst Tower to Elle uh-huh. Magazine headquarters to talk to Nina Garcia. So, awesome. yeah. So the, we next we cut to them heading to Hearst Tower um, in Midtown. And it's like a lifetime flashback because I think this is also where the Marie Claire offices are and as we all know nina garcia left marie claire to go to l and unless l was already there i would like to think that nina made l just move their offices so that she didn't have to move uh. she's like yeah you're, no my offices are in the hearst tower you're just gonna be here because i'm the editor-in-chief i'm the boss um, I'm not leaving this view. Because <laughs> look at this. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like they go in and like it is, of course, and it's an iconic building. And we go in, we meet Allie, who I guess is Nia's assistant. We don't even get to see her face because Allie doesn't matter. So Allie le- leads everyone in to Nina's corner office. And she's like, look at this. Look where we are. Have you ever been to this building? And everyone it has to say, everyone's just like, oh my God, no. And Garo's like, yeah, but the producers told me that I have to pretend that I haven't been here before. I'm Garo. I've done everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was here working with Lady Gaga two years ago. Yeah, like you see that cover over there that's actually in my dress that she's wearing. <laughs> but I have to pretend that I didn't make that dress. So sure, Nina, give me a tour, even though I've been here so many times. Anyway, so <laughs> Nina's like, let me give you a tour. So Garl tries really hard not to wave at his friends in the office or to walk ahead of Nina because he knows where they're going. <laughs> he's, been, he's been here before. <laughs> and they go to the L closet. And of course, she's like, yeah, so this is where everyone wants to go and be and this is where everyone wants to see um so yeah so they're in the 
hotel closet with a bunch of clothes and a bunch of like shoes and accessories. And um, I thought this was just a really perfect slide into the next challenge because Nina is like, yes, this is where all the decisions are made. This is where we talk about the editorial story. And this is where we kind of figure out what we're going to do. And the challenge um, is centered around this real work of how do we um, how do we choose from a designer's collection or something that we've seen maybe just off the runway, something that's fresh and um, put into our magazines. And so Nina is like, yeah, so very often designers miss one piece that will truly make it complete. So you are going to show us three looks that will earn your way into the finale, two from the collection. You made it home and each of you must add a new 11th look. So usually this is sort of a mind blowingly stressful moment. But I feel like they're all kind of keeping it together pretty well. That uh, yeah. this is just a shit ton of work that Nina's just told them to do. <laughs> um, but also, it's a classic Project Runway twist. And I'm so ready for it. I was like, yes, the 11th look. Bring it back. I'm always in for it. Or the 12th <laughs> look. Make it 13. I don't care. Pressure, pressure, pressure. I love this. Um mm. But yeah, so I mean, I think what's really special about this is that it's it's kind of, okay, you would know this more than I would, I think. I don't know if this is like a real world situation, but Nina is actually going to help them figure out what that 11th look is going to be <laughs> so they don't get to choose. Mm-hmm. Nina's going to tell them what yeah, to make. I, it's a great challenge. It's a great challenge. Like, sh- you have this expert looking mm-hmm. at the existing collection that they they've been working on for two two three months mm-hmm. no five four months well, uh, I, I forget five months five have. months five months okay yeah so she looks at the collection they have produced in the last five months and she sees okay here's something that will help it and will make it stronger so i think it's a great challenge for to have someone with her eye give that kind of um i don't want to say mentorship because it, but but it, it is a serious mm-hmm. a serious upgrade in terms of feedback oh yeah i mean and let's get into yeah. it because i feel like it really is nina time and i i was just so excited for this because she is laser focused and we all know that she's the toughest judge. She's the veteran. She is the editor-in-chief of Elle magazine. And she's, you know, we've kind of, you know, I, I would say through the trajectory of the show, have seen Nina just rise in ranks. Although she started off Project Runway as the most prestigious judge. But it's really wonderful to see her in her element beyond just giving a challenge and be like, I like your pants. Make me a pair of those pants. Um, because there's always a, a Nina challenge. And we already had uh, we had an Elaine challenge. Um, and I think it's wonderful that the Nina challenge for this season is the penultimate one, the one that like is super important. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. actually is like probably like an editor's dream to be able to like you know take a um a fledgling designer or someone who uh is you know 
not, or I would say not even like emerging, but someone who is about to step onto a stage that means a lot. And perhaps they come with not as much experience and just kind of like, Hey, give me the reins. And I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, guide you a little bit here. So Sebastian is the first one up and he understands what's happening. He's like, Nina, this is a big fucking deal. We are sitting Uh together and you're looking through my work. Oh my God. Like he's just kind of like, this is amazing. This is the best. He's like, I can't, I can't, I can't believe this is my life right now. (laughs) Um, but I really loved what she had to say about his work. And, you know, again, so she has this iPad or iPad type thing and they have these amazing images that they've, um, so, you know, it's kind of like what you see on, I I guess like 19th amendment or any other type of like e-commerce platform where there's like a digital mannequin or, um, it could have been like on a real person, but they've been, um, photoshopped so that it's just the garments and it's filled out like a real body is in them. And she's just kind of scrolling through all the looks. Um, but she points out that he's like, you are too strict. I want you to create one evening look that is soft. You need something soft. And I was like, I love it. I love this. <sighs> so exciting. Um, I don't know, but I don't know if you had any thoughts about that. I love, I I thought it was perfect. Yeah. I said yes because he's done flowy movement things before but then this collection that he showed is to kind of trying to fit into a Macy's catalog, mm. you know. And 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 that's, you know, Sebastian can do that, but this is a time to showcase big thinking, like long-term thinking, right? Yeah. Um but again, the pressure of cohesiveness, mm-hmm. right? So I can understand why he went there, but I think it was great feedback for him at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, next we have Garo. And Garo's there and she's like, yeah. And I think Garo, again, has the opposite problem of Sebastian. Um, on top of way too many looks. She's like, you have a lot of looks with shine and in embellishment and you know i want you to create that one tailored look i want you to create a suit it can be day to evening it could be tuxedo it could be and she's just kind of going on you can kind of i noticed the look on garo's face he went pale and i think if the cameras Uh weren't there he would have just vomited all over that desk like he just started shaking <laughs> he did not look well he was like i'm sick now i'm i'm just sick i'm sick seriously seriously yeah. nina um and in my notes i wrote nina is trying to eliminate garo but i don't i don't think so i think <laughs> but i but i do think that he was having the opposite issue with with sebastian just like kind of too soft yeah. <laughs> too soft um and maybe yeah could could it be like not enough corsetry <laughs> i don't know yeah um so yeah yeah uh next we have bishmi and bishmi we also i've you know kind of skipped mm-hmm. over this but bishmi also only has eight looks you're supposed to have 10 and he only has eight 
So when Nina was like, yeah, I want to look through your whole collection. I was just like, oh shit, bitch me. Like you need some makeup work. But um, she doesn't point that out. She just goes into actually what the collection is as is. And it's like, yeah, you have a lot of special looks. Everything is a standout piece. I want you to create something accessible. And she wants an outerwear look that is street inspired. And I was just like, yes, please assign an outerwear look. Please, more jackets. Make a coat. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And that's perfect for him. I was really excited about this because I thought he has this in the bag. Like, he can do urban outerwear. Yeah. He can. And she even pointed to the challenge that he won, the Dapper Dan challenge. It was like, make something like that. So. Yeah. um, Next, we have Hester time. And Hester opens up with her (laughs) artist statements and is like, "Um, if I hadn't said already, my collection is called Y2K Coco or Fiber Evolution. I'm just like, what? Are you like Fiber Evolution? It's Y2K Coco. And she's, you know, I love her play on words though. Um, But also Nina is just like, okay, you have to create something devoid of prints and embellishments and then Hester goes full <laughs> Hester and tries to maneuver around she pulls a baby face she pulls some mind trickery and I'm just like listen Nina is the fashion Jedi there is no way that you're negotiating with the master and she sees right kidding? through you come on Hester <laughs> I mean I don't even know the series this could be bonkers but I think that Nina is fashion Yoda right the sort of oh, all yeah. wise okay and- because Yoda, like, Yoda Hester. is a Jedi, but he's like a master Jedi. Oh, okay. So okay, yeah, so I don't so even know that. Still counts, but I, I, but I do think that Yoda is more apropos for Nina. Nina is the fashion Yoda. <laughs> Let's go there. <laughs> but still, you know, Hester sitting there like, can I do color block? No, you cannot do color block. <laughs> and she's even cheesy. She's like, ting, I can do color block, right? Ting. Nina's like, Cutie. what are you doing? No. <laughs> Look at my smile. No, Look at my so- glasses. Aren't they colorful? <laughs> I am so cute. I have pigtails. Yep. Look at my face. <laughs> the cutie filter will not save you in this. <laughs> and she's like, can I just do that? And Nina's like, good luck. Thank you. Have fun following my directions. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> she pulls a Christian. She's like, goodbye, Next. Hester. <laughs> All right, so um, now it's time for sketch. Um, so yeah, so they're 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 sketching now, and this is some. I just want to point this out because Garl says something I've never heard him say before. So apparently, Garl likes to combine three eras into one. Did you remember this moment where he's like, "Yeah, so my whole thing is like." Victorian with a bit of 70s and some 80s and maybe it's like some 50s. I was like, but nothing from the 21st century, nothing. And you're dealing with like galaxies and comets and, you know, the universe, but nothing from the 21st century. Okay. Which is fine. Yeah. He's only looking looking at space up until the photograph Earth Earth Rising. After that, he's not interested. 
before that photograph, yeah. he's into it. After that photograph, no, no more. <laughs> he's like, remember when we led on the moon? It stopped there. That's it. I'm like, okay, great. So no Hubble telescopes, like no Voyager, <laughs> no trips to Mercury, no trips to, we just like, we just had a thing like that crashed into Jupiter. You want to talk about that? We had another thing that crashed into Saturn. We know a lot about Saturn right now. No? Okay. <laughs> Stay in the 70s. Um, anyway, so so the designers get to sketch. And then they move on to mood. And I believe their budget is $400 for this piece. Or is it 500? It's either 400 or 500. Sorry, listeners. I didn't. I I don't remember. I'm sorry. It was also a lot. It was a a lot more than they typically get, um, which is about $300. So definitely more than that. Um, And so they're in mood. And what I love about this is, you know, they're kind of, you know, ruminating over Nina's assignment, which I think most of them are freaked out by not just because of the pressure, but because she's asked them all to do something that's very disruptive to what they've actually been doing. And so mm-hmm. I think the people who are definitely in on, on the fritz is Hester and Garo. Cause Garo's like, Oh my God, I got the hardest thing to do a suit. And then Hester, Even though... like, no, go ahead. <laughs> Even though he brags about his tailoring skills every other episode. He's like, don't get me wrong. I am the best tailor here. But it usually takes me like three days. And I only have two days to do a suit. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get shades of heliotrope. So he's making his way. He's getting all the purple that he sees. He's like, heliotrope worked for me in the past. And so heliotrope is Shelby. Um, And then we... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss doing impersonations of Garo and so then we have Hester who she's like oh my god I don't know how to make breather pieces I mean I have a lot of white in my collections so that's that's what I'm gonna make I'm gonna make white um and there's a moment where Christian is like buzzing around her is like oh oh my god Hester are you at like a 10 or are you like an 11 like how horrible do you feel right now can I make you feel worse and she's like oh god I don't think so because like Nina told me that I needed a breather piece and he's like um hello and he does this thing where he's like I told you that five months ago and she's not going to admit because she doesn't remember that Christian told him the same thing in the workroom two and a half months ago which yeah. I loved so yeah but um I don't know I I think everyone else is kind of okay Sebastian, Bishmi, I, I th- think they're fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so they all buy their stuff. They make their way back into the workroom. And by the end of this day, they only have two hours to work. So it's really not a two-day challenge at the when you really not think about it. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the stress levels are up. Sebastian and Bishmi. Or I would say Bishmi's <laughs> Bishmi runs to the sewing machine and Sebastian's like, Bishmi, what are you working on? And Bishmi says some <laughs> stuff. He's like, a sleeve. Hey, Papito, uh, I'll give you two more hours of my time in two hours if you don't ask me any more questions. And Papito's <laughs> like, oh, okay, all right. Let me, uh, 
feelings are fake hurt. So Bishmi goes, well, uh, well, hey, Peppy, the like, what are you working on? And Sebastian goes, um, I'm making a nunya. And I was like, wait a second. Sebastian pulled out the nunya. To me, that's a very yeah. Southern thing. I'm just like, I, I kind of love it. I love it so much that Sebastian's like, no, I'm making a nunya. Cause I, I, okay. Full disclosure. So I have a whole, I have a folder I have a Gmail folder. This is too much information. Listeners don't care about this, but I have a, I have a folder in <laughs> Gmail that kind of like puts all a bunch of stuff that I don't really care about into it. And I call it nunya, like, it, which is basically like none of your, so none of your business. It's like nunya. Like, I don't know. It's just in that folder. I have a nunya folder. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> Um, but so we also find out that Hester is making a sheer white dress. Sebastian mm-hmm. is pulling a Tessa by making a gown with pants, even though, uh, yeah. Nina asked him just to make a soft evening gown. He's making one with pants. Yeah. And Garo again, is just you know, like, I'm making something that's 10 times harder than everyone else. So that's <laughs> sort of how we've ended the day. <laughs> The burden is mine once again. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> me. So, so ready to go to the next day? <laughs> yes, very. Okay. Because this is where all the drama starts. All right. So, I would say we come in and right off the bat, we see that Bishmi is really struggling um, with, his, with his jacket or the concept of a jacket. But... Yeah. Not too long later, Christian comes in already and he's like, oh, my God, it seems really tense in here. I have a knife. I'm going to cut it. And um, yeah, yeah, it's just it's not, it's not it's not looking really well for anyone emotionally. Um, but we we start off with the critiques really quickly. So we start with Sebastian and this is where we get our first look at. Sebastian being a little disobedient to Nina. <laughs> He's making some pants. And um, according to Christian, it just looks like a top over some pants. It's not just a, yeah. a fabulous gown. Like, just just make a fabulous gown, Sebastian. Please, just do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I, and then we have Hester, who has made what could be a really gorgeous white dress with just organza but you can see all the scenes because it's so sheer um i know christian hated this but i kind of thought it was kind of extraordinarily made (laughs) in my opinion i just i just thought it was kind of wonderful but definitely not something that nina would um respond well to in a way, it was more to me like an F you to Nina. And I was like, I don't think you want to piss Nina off by um, pulling another Hester and trying to get around what she wants you to do, which is a solid and make this sheer white dress, but put some what she said, according to Hester, I'm going to put some really like bright lingerie underneath. I was like, no, no, that's a very clever way of not doing what you're supposed to do. But no, I don't even think it's that clever. Hmm. Sorry. No, um, I didn't like the strategy for this at all. Yeah, Did not no. like it at all. I thought, oh, Hester, no, no, no. Like, remember your nipple covering? Mm. And this is way, way more 
uh, I'm I'm gonna have like really bad grammar right now. Way way more better made. <laughs> this is like you know just completely 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 different than the structure of that other dress. It's actually holding up, mm-hmm. but um, it's kind of something she has already done before. So I wasn't all that into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and it's so funny because in I've been thinking in Spanish a lot lately, but in Spanish you you say it's mucho más mejor. Like it's just it is much better. <laughs> but um, yeah. but yeah, I just thought it's not what a what an amazing opportunity to do something, and you're just squandering your chance right now. That's just kind of what I thought. And in a way, yeah. you know, I didn't even think about the nipple like nipple gate. But that, again, yeah. if you remember, listeners, that's when she had immunity and kind of squandered immunity in a way, but I think kind of Hopefully. worked something out. But again, she's, yeah, she's gone back to this, like, you know, nipple gate type thing, Char- but yeah, but better. Char- chartreuse nipple glue gate. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. Yeah. So Christian leaves her with these parting words. Just make a cool red dress. I know. He was so adamant about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was like, I hate it. Start over. Start over again. He doesn't say it, but he's like, you need to just start over again. Tim Gunn, I think, in the history of Project Runway, has maybe once or twice, there's one moment where he, where it stands out to me, where he told someone to start all over again explicitly. Usually he kind of guides you, but for this one, he's like, ugh, no, trash it, start over again. <laughs> Um, this is this is that moment for Christians. Like, make it red. Bye. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. So on to Bishmi, who was stuck, clearly blocked. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Any 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 thoughts about this moment with our dear Christian? I was worried. I was really worried for him. He has the most to do. He's the most behind in terms of production, and. And he seemed to be really struggling. Yeah, yeah. And it looked like any suggestion, any little thing that Christian said, just sort of pushed him further to an edge. And um, even anything that was that's positive, he's like, oh, my God. Again, let's go back to your rack and let's look here. And if you see on his rack, there are just hangers with fabric just loose maybe like what what could be like bolts of fabric on the hangers just nothing there I'm just like oh my god bitch me <laughs> it's just like so stressful um yeah. but yeah so um I think Christian has to leave because Bishmi is like listen I'm burnt out I know what I need to do but I'm just mentally not there anything you tell me I'm gonna break down into tears so yeah I don't really think there's anything you can do for me right now. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so Christian leaves the workroom and leaves them with a lot to do. And we get this really amazing debrief where everyone is just very um, honest about all the things that they have. And, you know, Garo has the most to do and, and Bishmi feels like he's making just a cheap knockoff to an amazing jacket that he made during the Dapper Dan challenge. And um, 
I feel like Sebastian is the only one that's kind of done because all he had to do was take his pants off. <laughs> I mean, not his pants off, but like mm-hmm. the models or, you know, just scrap the pants. Yeah. 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 And then we have Hester. And I think the producers just outright ask her, hey, Hester, so are you going to listen to Christian and make a red dress? And she's like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> I refuse to make a red dress. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep making this ugly ass white dress that I'm making. I'm just going to suck it up and thread my needle with this white thread for this ugly white dress. And I'm going to sew right through it. Oh my God. Ow, ow, ow. I mean, I'm just going to sew through my finger. I mean, I just, I didn't, I meant it metaphorically, but actually I did it actually (laughs) through my finger. So, oh my God. So the way they edited this moment with Hester, just, I'm going to sew right through it. And she actually sews through her finger. <laughs> that was stressful. It was like, oh my God. Like, it was stressful for me. Yeah, yeah. It sort of shot me back to this moment where my sister slammed my finger in the car door when I was, when we were, no. like, I wasn't, we weren't that little. We were in high school. But, um, cause what, you know, I'm sorry, listeners, if this really grosses y'all y'all out. But um, what she does is actually she, you know, when you're lining up your fabric and the needle is up um, and you're lowering the foot and the needle onto the fabric, she lowered essentially the needle through her finger. And so yeah. and so like Sebastian, like she's just sitting there, not able to really do anything and is just screaming for help. And Sebastian, I think it's Sebastian or someone else maybe freaking out. She's like, I don't know, like this I don't know how to do this. Like, I know how to do everything. I know how to, like, I can stitch to kingdom come. I can, like, stitch this out of any situation except for this. I have no idea what's happening right now. And so um, Garo is just like, I've done everything before, including so through my finger. Like, Madonna, Lady Gaga, RuPaul, Elle Magazine, my finger. I've done it all. Because he's over there. He's like, seriously, it's not that bad. We've all done it. But we have to call a medic because everyone else is just too horrified to help Hester right now. Um, yeah. And so, like, um, you know, she's just sort of, like, helpless. And I remember, you know, like, for I've never sewn through my finger. Uh, oh. Thank God. But when my, when my thumb was smashed into the car door... I realized like I couldn't do anything because it was, it was the door was closed and I was in so much pain that I knew I couldn't reach around and open the door. Like, like my brain shut off and all I could do was scream and be like, someone has to do something. I can't do it. You have to do it. Yeah. You have to. So that's how the, like that, I, I don't know. And that's not even the end of the day or was it the end of the day? I think that was the end of the day. I think that was like very, it was about three hours until the end of the day. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's very close. Oh yeah. Very close. And just, just, just really, really awful. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's the end of that. Um, two days are up. It's now the day of the runway. Yes. <laughs> Um, Christian comes back into the workroom immediately. You know, I don't know if they have a home. Um, the designers are probably <laughs> sleeping in the back of the workroom with Christian. So Christian has like laid out the couch for all three of all four of the designers where he usually stays. 
and um, <laughs> they only have three hours to get ready before the runway. <laughs> and Christian asks them, like, anyone need a model? And Hester has this look on her face. She's like, sure, why not? I'm so over it. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of like a mad rush to the end of the day. Um, we we have Garo doing everything. Bishmi, oh my God, doing everything. Yeah. And Bishmi, I think, has this sort of like, kind of like a, a weird epiphany where he's like, yeah, I woke up this morning and since everything I'm touching turns to, to shit, I'm going to make a shit dress. Mm-hmm. I mean, a shift dress. He's going to make a, sh- he's actually making a shift dress. Um, And then Hester's working on her, her, her dress and there's just blood on it from her finger. Yeah. And, uh, from, from sewing, from the sewing accident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Christian I, like tries to make some suggestions. He's like, oh my God, ew, is that from your finger? It's like, yeah, it's from my finger. There's nothing I can do with now. It's just going to be a blood dress. I'm just going to make a blood dress for you now. So uh, the dress has blood on it. And the look on Hester's model's face, she makes eye contact with Christian. Like, please save me. Use your words. Please get me out of this dress. Um, so Christian, you know, suggest like maybe if you turn the bow a certain way or do something to kind of like just cover it up because at this point I think the designers are sort of making fuck it decisions like fuck it you know yeah it's just it's it is what it is and and in a way it's like it, it isn't and it, and you know Christian is unfortunately the one who has to push these already stressed out and edged out designers to just follow through and just you know hold on a little bit longer just a little bit longer um because when he approaches sebastian and bishmi he says things sort of like oh my god is everything gorgeous is everything amazing everything is wonderful right (laughs) and everyone's like no christian we're all fucked we are yeah fucked christian um we are looking at doom (laughs) do not distract us (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i mean but but there is like a moment here with i think particularly with um with bishmi and hester so i I think they're both just like at their wits end and um you know with hester she's sort of like sewing a red bra that's that's going to be the bra that's going to go underneath the white dress and Christian kind of buzzes behind her and is like, hmm, a red bra. Why don't you just do it all in red? Mm, like I said a year ago, <laughs> why not red? Red slice. You can make a red shirt. You can make a red skirt. Hmm, red. Maybe red. Bye. <laughs> Think about it. Bye. <laughs> um, and then we have Bishmi, uh, who is just... Oh my God. Christian just has to tell him like, Oh my God, don't give up. Jesus. I hate a quitter because I feel mm-hmm. like nothing else is working. No, on that... me. Oh, man. So, um, Bishmi is patchworking a shift dress together. His model is sort of waiting around for, um, things to come. Um, well, yeah, things to kind of like 
actually happen and and uh just watching him make this dress on the floor and then hester i don't know just sort of used some fabric she already had and used this like faux fur thing and whipped something together and you know it's like christian oh my god i just made this and christian finally gets to voice his real thoughts hester i hated that white dress oh my god he finally <laughs> let her have it. So. <laughs> He's a good choice. Um, but anything else before we head to the runway with these stressed out designers? No, no. Um, so, yeah, so we're heading to the runway. And, you know, Christian, uh, bless his heart, is just doing the best he can to get them out of the run, out of the run out of the, not the runway, the workroom. Um, and, and kid brother Bishmi is doing his slow walk to the runway. And Christian's like, Oh my God, Bishmi, you couldn't be going slower. And then, you know, grandfather Garo like comes up behind him and kind of runs him onto the runway. <laughs> I just wanted to point it out because it was just such a cute moment. Cause I love this top four again. I love them as a crew, as a finale group or I would say penultimate finale group. I just, I just, I just love this. This is, you know, I don't know. I love them so much. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we finally get to the runway. Christian perches in front of the backstage TV as they all kind of go out. Carly comes out strutting again um, and starts her spiel. She's like, yes, guys, welcome back into the runway. She begins her introduction and intros the the normals. So we have Nina, Elaine, Brandon, and then we have Stephen Kolb from the CFTA, who they remember from the um, the previous episode where they actually got to go and take a field trip to the CFTA. But while she's sort of like going over what's happening and about to like sit down, they're getting the, the lights together. Um, production is doing their thing backstage the judges and particularly Elaine are noticing that Bishmi looks super sad and Bishmi has to sort of like flag production and flag the yeah flag everything because he's like um, his his shoulders slump really really deeply they have to turn up the lights and he raises his hand and he's like I really need to go I need to just I need a, I need a moment I need a minute so they let him go and he just has to like take a moment and just sob out back. And you can kind of see him yeah. just trying to make his way out. It's almost like, and he describes it. He says he's been trying to hold it in, has been trying to keep it together, but he just couldn't, it just came out and his feelings just got, got, you know, just had to just like let go. Um, yeah. So in my notes, I wrote his feelings just took over and that is okay because yeah. on the show, he's just like basically saying he's annoyed at himself. He's just so like, why, why now it just can control it. And he's apologizing um, even when he comes back in and yeah, I just sort of just, you know, at this moment I just had to run on Twitter. I'm like, I, I think let's, let's just let Bishmi cry. And have a moment um, for him to take care of himself because in the midst of all of this, it's just like, it's hard to relate to this type of pressure and it's hard to relate 
to this type of pressure under his personal circumstances as well. Um, so yeah, no, this was just like really, really tough to watch. And I think obviously tough for everyone else to experience in real time. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was tense. Yeah. Super, super tense. Um, okay. So he comes back in, um, still not quite okay, but in, and honestly, I commend Bishmi for not taking that much time, but I understand also feeling the pressure of like, we're, we're still filming and there are a lot of other people who are pausing, um, you know, um, because, you know, they're, they're just, you know, they're giving your time. So I don't know, ideally this wouldn't be on a show. Ideally, you know, this could be his runway and he could pause as much as he wants. And ideally he would get that chance to just feel the feelings. Um, but he comes back. Yeah. And we have to jump right into the show. So, listeners, <laughs> this is the time where I prompt you to look at the cheat sheet. Um, and I'm entitled to this Fantastic Four. I hope Marvel, I don't know if this is Marvel or DC, Nayla would know better, but I don't know anything about the Fantastic Four comic strip. I don't know anything about the comic book or the story besides what... I think is a part of um, some move, some of the movies. I think some of them are in the movies. I don't know, but I just thought when I looked at the, um, you know, what I was going to use for the artwork for the cheat sheet that it was kind of perfect because we have like the thing, which I know, I know what the thing is. And I was like, Oh, that's good. It could be like Garo. And then we have like um, the other ones. I was like, Oh, that could be Hester. And like, Oh, that could be Bishmi. And there's, exactly four of them and perhaps they could you know sync up with their personalities those of you out there who know more about the fantastic four might be able to you know i don't know associate them better but i was just like oh this is great fantastic four there's they're going to be background anyway <laughs> long story short <laughs> all right so let's let's get to it so we start off with sebastian with absolute fire drum background rhythm going on with his collection. I hope that this is the runway music they use for the actual show in fashion week, because I, I couldn't get over how good this music was and how well it went for the looks. Cause Holy, Holy crap miss. Okay. So let's get to it. All right. So Sebastian, we have Sebastian up first and, um, Patricia, do you want to start us off? Oh, um, well, there is um, to just go through the looks. Yeah. Or is there something that I missed or yeah. Anything that you wanted to put oh, out? No, 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 nothing you missed. Okay. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so let's, let's start here. So of course they're in runway order. Um, and let's see here. And on the cheat sheet, it might be, it might be backwards for, Sebastian um I will I will like have that change because Asia comes out first I believe right um I yeah. don't remember yeah I think Asia comes out first um in the the stripe number which is uh, yeah and then the second one the second look is the Nina assignment um the float yeah, gown and then the third is the orange look yeah Okay, so let's let's start with Asia's look here. 
yeah. So I mean, I don't know any 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 thoughts on this or even the whole thing as a whole. You know what? There were parts of this collection that reminded me a lot of, um, and maybe not what's not what's shown in these three looks, but there's something about the construction of this collection that really reminds me of Mark Jacobs' first collection for Perry Ellis in like the early nineties. Oh my goodness! And it I, has to. I love that reference because like, I I don't know it, but I love it. Well, um, I think it's a very well-known thing. Like, it's not. This is not like rare knowledge that I'm kind oh. of. This, this is like when Mark Jacobs came on the scene. This is his breakthrough oh. collection, you know. Um, and there's something about like the skirt thing in, in that leather that kind of. And this is the I'm talking about the last look, really mm-hmm. the orange look. It kind of moves like that. Um, so, you know, and I'm saying that because in a way, these three looks are not the most cohesive, mm-hmm. but somehow they, work. somehow they work. I think that leather work ties it all together in a, in a sort of satisfactory way hmm. somehow. Yeah. So, that makes a lot of sense. So are you saying like Asia's dress is leather? No, no. But it has a belt, right? Yeah, it has a leather belt. It has the, that work belt. And then the other dress also has a belt. The white uh, soft look mm-hmm. is has this leather work yeah. belt. Yeah. And then the other look has this um, kind of tubular skirt looking thing. And, and that's what reminds me of the Mark Jacobs um, early 90s Perry Ellis collection. Um, yeah, somehow they all make sense, even though it, I, I don't know how to say it, but I think he pulled it together for these three looks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I thought that it was a really nice um, way of showing even, you know, like a, a good amount of variety but um, also we kind of, we also, yeah, that, that orange dress is all leather. We learn about that. And also we know because we went to the workroom, but, um, but yeah, no, I thought, I thought it, it really kind of showcased more of the softness from his collection and perhaps that he took some notes from what Nina told him um, and not showing those very overworked jackets. And maybe we don't even have those anymore. Maybe he got rid of those, but um of of those looks, he chose I think the 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 most simple, the most minimal, and um, yes, yeah. And also, I looked You're up right. the yeah. the Mark Jacobs. Um, it's still oh, on Vogue's did. website, it... so I'm putting I'm going to put the no. the link in the show notes, so so listeners you can reference that. Um, also, fun fact that I just kind of read over while I was looking for it. This is the collection that got him fired from Perry Ellis. So like, even though it it's like it's yeah. obviously is is iconic and very influential. Um, he was fired <laughs> for that collection. Fun it fact. was pro- it was provocative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really like that reference to it because um, you know from the looks of it, it's like you know very grunge and kind of um, you know it, it definitely influenced a style and was and looks like it was informative of like this grunge aesthetic, but since it was like 1993, it definitely yeah. was at the be- wasn't at the beginning of it. 
And with Sebastian, you know, I don't know. Like I just, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I think again, like uh, just thinking back to what if you made this basket coat, I, you know, never really heard of anything like that, but something that could be influential, but um, yeah, but, but just, I don't know. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it looked great on the runway. I mean, it just worked great on the runway. Yeah. So ready. Because to me, I, I look at it and I'm like, these are three different seasons in one, in three looks. Hmm. Like I sort of think, because usually these shows are oriented towards a season, right? It's sort of like spring, summer, resort, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and this felt like, here's the fall. It sort of opens with, um, oh, God, no, I don't remember the uh, the first look again. It was on Asia, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. No, I do one, remember. Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah, here's like the, this is the, the spring look, the resort look, and then the fall look, all mm-hmm. in, in, in three, right? But it worked. It's yeah. sort of like I don't, I don't know why I'm so fascinated by that, but it, it, we can move on. I'm just kind of yeah, still resol- resolving that. Um, okay, so next we have Bishmi. Yeah, and um, the, I mean the oh gosh, it was just like the first look that comes out is the Nina garment, and wow. it is a struggle. So. This this dress went from having a ruffle at the bottom. It went from being a jacket. It was a jacket the day before to being um, like a shift dress with a ruffle on it. And then a shift dress with more of this like tapered, sporty, um, uh, what do you call it? Like a, an, an elastic type bottom. I would say that yeah. it, it tapers at the end on, on, uh, on, this, on this outfit. And... Uh, yeah, it is compared to everything else. Um, and you can see the looks on the judges' faces. The judges are, they also look kind of confused. Um, I mean, it, it just, i it's hard. I don't really know. I don't really know what to say about it. Because the model turns around, and you can't really see this on the cheat sheet, but there is a hood back there. But it's a very flimsy hood that you really can't um you you could just kind of miss it if you if you if you blink too hard um it's it's that um unsubstantial back there he can't even really look at it like Bishmi doesn't even really look at his collection yeah it was hard to identify yeah I mean even the the other two pieces what did you think about those so that so the middle piece is the leather bustier with the um uh with the long pants with the with the black kind of like a tuxedo type pant and then um the last outfit is the halter crop top with the flouncy skirt yeah i mean if we're on the sort of 90s tip that second look i mean Thierry mugler hello wonderful <laughs> you know um I thought that second look needed more refinement, mm-hmm. but it had the most potential. Um, I think he he should not have opened with that first look. That yeah. should have been the last thing on the runway. 
I think. Um, this, this, you know, the, the third looked a little. The top was okay. Um, I don't see how the skirt and the top coalesced. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's a look. Some people, you know, it's it's a thing. People would would like it. Um, yeah, I think unfortunately that first look. First of all, that model was gorgeous. It did not fit the model. Mm-hmm. It did not work on the model. So it, there was many reasons to not open with that look. For yeah. some reason, Vishmi chose to. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Um, and in a way, like perhaps it was a little bit of, you know, self-defeatism in that as well. Um, because again, to remember his inspiration, Baltimore, the buildings of Baltimore. And I thought he was going somewhere with this patchwork feel of it because it reminded me of you know one of his outfits that has um like this brick motif going on um also like maybe references to um graffiti or like wall art or something like that Um, because I thought with the second piece which I you know which is really interesting and perhaps it was one of the pieces that had a brick motif it's it's you know although people really liked it um I wanted to see something else. I wanted to see one of those orange pieces or just something that referenced buildings more, um, more clearly just to get an idea of what he was doing conceptually. And I thought of all the things to start with, yeah, don't start with that dress because it says least about what you're doing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And it could have been, it could have been styled differently. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, all right. Shall we move on? Yeah. Next we have Garo. I, I just want to say, can I just say one thing about yeah. the, um, my Mark Jacobs reference? I mean, that whole collection, yes, it was very grungy, but there were a few looks if I remember correctly. Um, and actually I did a project on this, which is why it's probably more fresh in my mind than just any other show I saw on TV about mm-hmm. that era. Or actually at that era. Um, but there was a couple of looks that had skirts that were that looked like shawls. Hmm. Um, in that they had sort of this, they looked knitted. And that's what reminded me. That's the reference I'm making with the Sebastian look. It's not hmm. the whole grunge, flannel, oversized um, stuff. It's specifically that kind of, um, I don't want to say like Madrid, you know, singer skirt. <laughs> Hmm. The sort of like the lady from Seville threw her shawl around her legs kind of thing. That's that's what I'm specifically referencing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just FYI. No, that's kind of wonderful. <laughs> that's all. Um I mean, speaking of shawls, so <laughs> Caro kind of Yes, yeah. Kind of opens with a shawlish moment slash reveal, I guess. I was so confused by this piece. So it's like a long, you know, iridescent, um, sheer-ish fabric draped over um, a pretty, tra- you know, like a sweetheart sh- uh, bustier dress. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's like, where do you find this fabric? Where at mood? And yeah so i yeah so that's that 
is that. She's got like green bangles on. It's very 70s club where um it's 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 got a moment in time and the moment in time has definitely passed and then it's on the runway at the same time so i don't know i don't know if you, <laughs> yeah, i mean i looked at that look that first look and i'm like why would any human need to have this like sleeveless draping that then has to take it off like i didn't understand what I mean, I guess if you, well, then again, okay, let's think. This is Gara we're talking about. So he's thinking about somebody wearing this to a premiere, walking down the red carpet, and then flinging that off and going to carry a Golden Globe, right, or something. So it's not the same dress, but it's related. So I think he's thinking along those lines. Somebody has to wear this for two photo ops that are going to be um, filled with media hounds. Mm -hmm. So... Right. But even so, given even given all these conditions that I think he's thinking about here, I think I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> but given who he does, has designed for and, and, and what he does, it still just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I was like, are you designing for the inhabitants of these other galaxies out there somewhere? You know, who who knows? Because I know that he probably spent a bunch of time as to like well controlling the drape of the shawl when she like flings it over one shoulder because she comes out and it's it's kind of wrapped in a certain way and she unhooks it and then it drapes around. So there's like a there's a a here's this one neckline. Here's two necklines. Oh, here's three necklines. And I can imagine him being like the way this drapes. It's so difficult how you do this. And I'm pretty sure it is, but I agree. Like there's just Yeah, yeah. It's unnecessary. Oh, this and, is not um, Yeah. Yeah, it's impractical and and the way he says it before he's like, "Well, you know, it's built for, you know, she comes in with this way and she can just kind of take it off and then go and play." And like and then where is she going to put this really expensive piece of iridescent fabric? Is she going to shove it in her purse all of a sudden or is it really a, sh a shawl like if it's actual shawl is yeah. actually meant to keep her warm you know on a hot summer night after she leaves studio 54 when it was still around then fine but other otherwise it's the only yeah but again but that's a way that's a way that's a look actually i answered my question i guess that's a look but you know what even after after that little reveal the model walked away with this frumpy thing on her back yeah, yeah. And it was pleated on the side. Like, it actually was tailored to her waist. So yeah. Like, how does that even come off all the way? And then, yeah, I'm not mad. But, but it still looked, it was like so, it's like so much time in craftsmanship, and it still looks frumpy. Yes, yes. It was very, to me, again, like Bishmi, after, I'm sorry, you were following Sebastian, it was a very wasted first look, in my opinion. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you have other things in your repertoire. Like, you have you have 14 looks when you're only supposed to have 10. And you're going to start with this? Like, it just was like yeah. a want-want to me. It just wasn't Yeah. This I know. And then we have Fidgen coming out um, in this, like, definitely, like, you know, Star Trek 60s retro futuristic deal more iridescent but in um in sequence 
and um i i did not like this it was only because okay i i just didn't like it um i thought sure mix it up with some leather i think that's interesting but I, again, thought it was kind of a missed opportunity with how to um, work with the silhouette um, and with this fabric. I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more going on with color. I don't know. There's just something with it to me that just seemed very done and very, very old. Not old lady, but just it's it's been done even more than so than the first look. It just didn't yeah. seem special to me. I've seen it also. I've I've seen it on a Project Runway finale before as well. So yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, and then the closing look for Garo. Yeah, go ahead. You want to take this one? All yours. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's a mess. I'll just say it's a mess. It is a a a blunt lavender mess, Oof. and it's unfortunate because here's the thing it's unfortunate because do you remember nina's face looking at this look down the runway she looked <laughs> horrified i memed this out on twitter her look she looked pissed she looked really pissed and also just like oh like oh, what is this i'm sorry what are you putting me through garo you know how to tailor you are an amazing person i gave this to you because i knew you could do it but you did not do it yeah. what is this and it's yeah. just like holy shit uh, i yeah. i i don't so okay so i don't know if you have it pulled up but i have nina and for you listeners i have nina <laughs> at forty six twenty. so if you just want to follow me there um the look on her face is just absolutely just horror just absolute horror yeah <laughs> it's like what is this <laughs> yeah yeah um we all yeah it's unfortunate yeah I, I wonder if i can actually like screenshot this somehow i'm gonna i'm gonna figure it out um but yeah no <sighs> there's nothing much more to say about it um no ready no. for hester yes all right Hester is next, and the the person who leads this is Kate. Um, our you know, and I and I wrote in my notes, Kate's never looked better. Fight me on this. Yeah. Um. No, I agree. And you know, the other person who says like, I Kate's, Kate's gonna look the best she's ever looked on a runway, and that was those were Garl's last words for Kate. But no, I think. This is the best Kate's ever looked. And um, I'm reminded of the hair and makeup session. We really didn't go over that. But when Hester went to hair and makeup and she told him what she wanted, she was like, basically, this is like Clueless. If Cher were, I don't know, she said blah, 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 basically based off of Clueless. Um, and it, it that's that's what's going on with all the styling here. And because at first I was like, why is her hair like that? What are those barrettes doing over there? This, this is upsetting, but it makes sense. <laughs> That's my least favorite part about all of this yeah. is the styling. Um, but I thought it was a very yeah. charming look. For Kate? Yeah. 
You know, it's funny because my criticism of <laughs> when Garo said, I'm going to make Kate look amazing. Um, my criticism of that, of the result of that was that Kate looked infantilized with mm-hmm. these little hands. She looked like she was in a doll's dress with this in, infantilized hem mm-hmm. and this weirdness. But now we have Kate again, infantilized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yet, functioning very differently yeah because she's in the hands of hester (laughs) who is you know doing this like cutesy girly intellectual thing going on so true so yeah yeah um and it's 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 cohesive it's got a it's got a look and it has actual layers it's actually layered um conceptually and um, design-wise, I, 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 just, I just really thought it was wonderful. Also, a very well-made blouse. It's a really well-made blouse. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and I thought the second look mm-hmm. I was not into at all, but that third look was amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. We can just skip right over the second look. Sorry, listeners. You can, you can see it on the cheat sheet. Um, to me, also the second look, uh, to me, referenced too much of what's already been done with Clueless. And, and this is this was also a point where I'm like, oh, my God. We're, of course, like, you know, Clueless was around that era of Y2K. But did we really have to go that literal to the movie? And that, that middle part... That middle outfit is why I don't like it as much. It's because it looks like an outfit that Cher actually wore on Clueless. Mm. Um, but yeah, let's go to the last outfit, which which is something she made in three hours. Oh my god! Freaking incredible! Yeah, and I think I think it's the best on that runway. I mean, holy crapness! For her. And it was and even the way she, no. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. If, even the way she styled the shoes or the boots, like they go really well with that little bag. Yeah, yeah. The hat, the hat box, I should say. That's a hat box. Yeah, and I think with again, it's it's a really wonderful way to showcase maybe something that she again has had in her her mind for a long time, going back to like you know the nipple gate or the nipple grip type deal, um, yeah. but also this textural thing and in a way this I think is the most tester way to have gotten around Nina's prompt but while you know without really I mean I would I I would say that she was kind of forced into a Nina prompt but in a very Hester way this whole hemming and hawing around color blocking and can I just use this gigantic print that sort of looks like a solid like no you're working in a solid and and Bravo to Hester to figure out how to work in these layers and work in this complexity um, in a way that works for her and maybe hopefully convinced herself that she can do something like this. Um, That's a little bit more simple and simplified and pleasing to an editor of, of an editor in chief of Elle magazine. Magazine. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, that was definitely my favorite piece. Um, so proud of Finale Hester. Looks so good. And uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So we have this moment 
with all of the um the designers and of course with their three models on the runway and so yeah it's so it's it's that that time to kind of go to each of them ask them about what they're doing blah blah, blah. um and then also to get some notes from Nina because this is her first time seeing them um answer her brief from um this the from the challenge so yeah all right so let's get to judgy time and again Carly has to put it out there for all of us especially me that only three designers are going to the finale but at this point I will also I also want to point out that on Twitter people were just like oh my god I know Bishmi didn't do the best job but I want all four of them to go this would be great and I think at the very beginning say it again no no not one has to go (laughs) yeah Carly was like listen this is not lifetime we're not going to get all mushy mm-hmm. and let everyone play. Not today. So she's like, only three. That's that's how it's got to go. Three. We're cutting one. Um, maybe, you know, uh, Project Runway four point Bravo, maybe like four seasons in to when they're back on Bravo, they can sort of pull those those like games with us where they let everyone go. But not today. So there's going to be a real elimination. All right. So Hester's first. Um. And then we have Sebastian, Bishmi, and Garo. But so Hester, Nina gets to kind of tell everyone else that Hester kicked and screamed her way into this. <laughs> <laughs> but Hester gets to tell them as well that she's really glad that Nina pushed her and also that she made this dress in, or this outfit in three hours because she sewed through her finger and bled all yeah. over the the other one that she was trying to put up there. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I really thought that this was a, a wonderful chance for Hester to hear that. Yes. Um, you've kind of accomplished something that you probably, you, that you are, you've always been capable of doing and something that is not what you thought before, which she was like, Oh my God, Nina's forcing me to design out on my design philosophy. Like, this is not what I do. It's like, actually, this is, see, this is something that you can do. Right. Um, you can adapt. Yes. Um, all right. <laughs> Next is, is Sebastian. I mean, what, what can we say about it? Everyone loved it. Everyone was dying over it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you know, he was like, yeah, so uh, this is leather, that's leather, this is leather. And they're just like, excuse me? How do you even make that? Like, what? And then Nina, lovely Nina, she goes, your clothes always have this pull between stiff and soft. And then Sebastian goes, well, maybe it's because of my background as a ballet dancer, because I'm also a, a professional fucking ballet dancer. I'm a professional. <laughs> And I was like, Sebastian, I want to see you do a pirouette. I want to see a grand bad mom. I want to see him jump around the stage right now. Like, can we just, can we see your ballet skills, please? Um, oh, Sebastian is so impressive. I think he already won. Anyway, so congratulations, yeah. Nyland. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we all love Sebastian. You know, oh. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone else deserves it more. I, you know, 
I'm going to go down for Hester because she's on my bracket, but you know, Sebastian's my second favorite. Um, we also have Bishmi and Nina has to start off. She's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm not going to lie. <sighs> and what's also heartbreaking here is that she loves everything else except for the assignment dress, except for the new piece. Yeah. Um, and then Bishmi opens up about kind of how rough of a go he's had and how awful he feels. Like he knows that it's disappointing. He knows that he didn't do his best and it's sort of what he could do under the current circumstances of just intense grief and a lot of guilt and sadness and just, you know, on top of it, all the stress. So yeah. Of the competition. I mean, the struggle was, the struggle was visible in the clothes. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, next we have Garo. And I think the only positive thing they said about the assignment piece was that he picked a smart fabric. That's it. And other people were just like, yeah. So is that how you wear that jacket? Like, is she, is she missing a shoulder? Does she have an extra shoulder? Like, there must be something wrong with her, right? And they're like, no, the clothes are wrong. Yeah, they're <laughs> ill-fitted. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're all kind of confused. And I uh, I thought it was really hilarious with Elaine. She's like, why is it so awful? Did you even sew it? Because I think they're just surprised that something so ill-fitting is coming in from Garo. Because even when Garo was on the bottom that one outfit he made that did not have a corset in it, it still was pretty well made. So I, I think this is yeah. the worst thing he's ever made and that the judges have ever seen. So they're all kind of taken aback by it. I agree. I agree. Yeah. You know, it was a challenge that he needed more time for. Understood. Get it. Oh, yeah. But, you know. I mean, you know, it, yeah. I think they bring up the the matter of design and taste and Brandon calls him yet out. again. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. That's every, that's every episode. And um, yeah. And Brandon calls out like, yeah, you know, she looks like Melanie Griffith and working girl. It's very eighties. And mm. uh, you know, Brandon didn't like any of the looks apparently. It just seemed like, yeah, he just, you know, Brandon called out how dated they all look that there is a lack of freshness there. And I agree. Um, But Garo kind of pleads with them. He's like, I made 16 looks. Please let me show you. Please. Like, (laughs) holy shit, guys. 16. I I can do it. I can do it. So, because I think Garo definitely, rightly so, senses that he's on the bottom. And he's on the bottom with Bishmi and the you know i didn't mention this in a critique during the critique time with the judges but uh steven kolb i think the cfda guy asks bishmi he's like hey so if you were to move forward can you get it together mm-hmm. and all the judges were like bishmi if you move forward like do you think you can fix this if you move forward do you think you can do that and he's like i guess yeah yeah like i yeah yeah i, I could do it I could do it no i th- i th- I think Bishmi was more decisive than that. He said yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think his yes was 
one that implied commitment. Yeah. Um, in my view. Yeah, yeah. It, it to me it seemed there is a commitment there. Um, I think I'm thinking of it in comparison to Garo, who was sort of pleading for his life, and and Bishmi yes. seemed a little bit more resigned. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, he def- he definitely was like, I can do it. Yes. Yeah. All right. So they send the models. I mean, they send the designers away. The models stay, and they get like some time to themselves in the back room to kind of go over how rough that was. It was a rough. It was a rough critique in front of the judges, um, because you know at the it's also the culmination of a very rough couple of days, and um, the judges get to talk alone for a little bit. So, did any? Do you want to? talk about anything in particular during this time um no i think they no okay. no not really okay. do you did anything stood up to you i mean um <laughs> i would say that i was just very upset that it was between bishmi and caro um even though yes. I'm, you know, of course I was relieved that, I mean, of course, Hester is going to make it through. She, she did an amazing job and it, that, that made sense. But it, it, I think at this moment, that's where it hit me. I was like, oh shit, it's going to be Bishmi or Garo. And at that moment, even though, you know, um, you know, hearts around Bishmi, but either of them, I would have felt terrible for, for either of them if they had gone. So, yeah. So, yeah. All right, so they do their touchy-feely thing, and then they bring the designers back out. And um, Patricia, who are the first two to make it through to the finale? Oh, Sebastian and Hester. Yeah, they make it through. Um, So they're the ones who are uh, definitely going to be around next week. So... And then what I'll ask is who's the third person in the, in the finale between Garo and Bishmi who gets to move forward? It is Garo. Yeah. So this was so controversial for me. This was so controversial for me, this choice. Thoughts, please share. Well, if they're going to eliminate Tessa um, on the basis of, we know what her collection is going to look like, right? That was sort of something that came up during Tessa's last critique, mm-hmm. meaning we, she does the same thing over and over. We've seen it. We don't need to see more of it because we know what it will be. This is the same thing with Garrow. Hmm. We, we know what it will be. We know we have a very good idea. With Bishmi, Bishmi had a low, a low point this week. I think this has been Bishmi's only low point this whole season. Yeah. Garrow has had multiple. So what? who do we want to see a collection from? The person who we don't know what they will do? And they've had one <laughs> kind of low point? Or the person who's had a lot of low points and we know exactly what they're going to do? Mm-hmm. And we've been criticizing them for all season. 
And <laughs> clearly, I disagree with the choice, and not just because Vishnu is on my bracket, but because I think that this is his only low point in the whole show, and he kind of yeah. gets penalized for it. Yeah. Anything on top of that, I, I and I totally agree with you with again with Tessa one of the points brought up about her is like do does someone like this need a runway no yeah yes yes Garo has a following already yes between Garo and Bishmi like who needs this runway Bishmi Mm. who really wants it both of them they both want it but who who needs it and I think I I totally agree with you I would have rather seen Bishmi's collection over Garo's and on top of that sure the the Nina dress was not great it was very disappointing but Nina loved the other two looks loved them and they all are kind of like you know this has pullable appeal you know stylists and um, editors would want and yeah. would grab this off the hanger and you look at Garo's looks the only one I think Nina really liked was the little the sequin dress with the leather trim that Thijin was wearing. That's yeah. That's really it. So yeah, and and Nina even said about Bishmi's what I call the Thierry Mugler top. Mm-hmm. She said, "Oh, make me one of those. I'm gonna wear that." Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. So I think. I don't know. I think maybe, and they even made a comment, oh, it's hard to motivate somebody who doesn't believe in himself. Which I think uh, is another, I, well, I, I do think that is a good point as well, because they don't know really what girls' looks are going to look like. They don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think a part of it is there. I have a feeling that Bishmi probably had the lowest of all the scores just thinking, you know, objectively and quantitatively. And to even it out, definitely those moments before the judges is a time for you to fight for your life, is to defend for yourself and, and to, to get more points and to put a little bit of more of that subjectivity in there. And Bishmi just didn't have it. He just didn't give it to them. So I think it's totally Not unfair. This week. Huh? Not this week. Mm-mm. Nope. And and then unfortunately this is the week where it really counted. Yeah. Ugh. Um so when they talk to Bishmi or when Bishmi starts speaking, he's sobbing but smiling and obviously really sad, but at the same time obviously and genuinely happy for everyone else. And this is where I lost it. I've watched this episode twice or actually three times. And every time I've seen this moment, it has broken me. It's I've, it, it just is, it was just such um, a genuine moment of humanity and um, showmanship, gainsmanship, whatever you want to call it. But, um, but just graciousness. And, and I, I just, it was just also the, the, you know, there's a, a wonderfulness to Bishmi and this was the culmination of it. And I was like, I'm really, I've really appreciated him on the show. I am. And this is why I'm sobbing. I'm so sad because of who he is, but also 
I don't know. I just have so many things to say about this moment. I, I compare, I've been comparing it to Chernobyl. <laughs> oh my goodness, Chernobyl. <laughs> I mean, this is very much a crisis moment. This is the moment <laughs> where someone literally like someone has been kind of rounding up their, 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 their forces yeah. week after week, week after week. Then there's a, a break, right? They're working on one of the most important projects of their life and they have all this tragedy in their family and their head is just still negotiating all of that their head is still processing all of these things yeah and so it's sort of like all of this strength that it required to get to this point all of a sudden it just needed a rest i think Bishmi had no time for arrest in any of this. Mm-mm. No. And it just seems like... And... No, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's it. I feel like... I I wish that... Um, they had just kept the quality of his performance in mind. Because yeah. everybody can have a bad day. People are allowed to... See, in my world, people are allowed to crumble when they need to. <laughs> I'm not into this whole, like, face it up. I mean, yes, there are times. But I think Bishmi handled himself very well yeah. through all the crumbling. Right? I, people yeah. are supposed to be, you know, he wasn't being inappropriate with anybody. Mm-hmm. He was just taking it out on himself, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not great. And, but and even in the he, midst of it, he was encouraging Hester. I didn't, you know, I didn't point that out yeah. when Hester was like, "Oh my god, this is like the worst thing ever! I can't believe this. I get all this wet, and this is just what happens. I'm yeah. gonna fuck this up." And 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 Bishmi's like, "Uh, my sister is doing chemo today. Um, I lost, you know, this this other person in my life who I loved, and but through that, he's still encouraging Hester, who yeah. he can also." Yeah you know, empathize with is like, you're also going through something. I'm going through something very different, but I'm not going to be like, well, fuck you, Hester. Did anyone in your, anyone in your family die while you're putting uh, together your, your collection? I have it the hardest here. He's like, no, he didn't do any of that. It was still very giving and very loving of him. And he was still helping, not helping, but being supportive to Sebastian also. Yeah. So I think that here's somebody who just reached a point in a whole set of circumstances and they are crumbling and despite doing an amazing job at keeping themselves together as best as they could I don't know I don't think that anyone should be given a second chance just because they have a bad day but that's what a record is for you look at a person's yeah. track record yeah and yeah. and that's what I think was missing here because I think Bishmi's track record does speak more than this crumbly moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I also think that um, if the judges see that he needs a reason to believe in himself, then why send him home? I agree. I I totally agree. And also because you know. At the end, he's walking away. He's like, you know, I would have been upset. He's like, I didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve to be there. I would have been more upset or something to the the effect of he would have been more upset if he had been put through because he felt like he would have been taking someone's 
someone else's spot, someone else who was more deserving. And, you know, he had to have Christian at the end be like, are, are you proud of yourself? I'm proud of you. Cause and in my notes, I was like, I, I thought he totally deserved it. And, um, and I agree with you in, in, in need of that validation. And even in the midst of feeling as if you don't deserve it, um, it kind of sometimes takes something spectacular happening to you outside of what you think is your control or outside of what you think is your, of what you expect to receive. And, you know, I think this moment kind of shows a little bit of Bishmi, um, per, per, definitely underestimating himself. He, he estimated himself enough to be on the show, but at this moment, definitely underestimating what it is that he deserves or, or, um, has earned at this point. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, I think this is all going to end very, very well because Sebastian's going to win. He's going to start his own line with all this money. Bishmi's going to be his, like, right hand. That's going to launch Bishmi's career. Garo's boyfriend's going to be pissed and get, like, all these content farms to make, like, nothing but bad propaganda about this venture. And Hester is going to, like, be involved somehow in her own little world anyway <laughs> so this will all work out well somehow oh yeah no i'm not worried about any of them and also when i when i compare this to this moment to chernobyl i didn't i didn't mean like Bishmi was just like crumbling and creating like this gigantic and once in a lifetime level of nuclear fallout around him i meant like the actual show on hbo <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! I, I don't even know that. I don't yeah. even know that show. <laughs> well, and uh, yeah, listeners, if you haven't watched HBO and Patricia, I I know you would love this show. But um, the way I sobbed at this moment, at the moment where when Bishmi got eliminated, is the way I sobbed during the last episode of Chernobyl because just all in all, and uh, oh my god, okay, let me let me try to put pieces together. Um, uh, go along with me. So Chernobyl. Uh, if you if you don't know this is an HBO miniseries uh, created by Craig Mazin, who is a writer, a screenwriter that I've admired and loved for a very long time. And I've always thought, like, what if a show was in the hands of someone with immense skill and incredible, um, you know, just uh, immense it- intelligence and the way they um, uh, approach projects is with thoughtfulness and with just amazing amounts of empathy and that's what that show is and at the end of it of course it's a wonderful show it's great it's very informative it's historically and meticulously correct um but at the at the end of it i felt very well taken care of as a viewer and i thought that the way they approached the subject matter was just had such humanity to it um and i just was incredibly grateful for, for something in the midst of, you know, again, we're, we're recording this from the U.S. and we're in, in a constant state of emergency politically and socially. Um, those things have st- stood out to me. And with this moment with Bishmi on the runway and uh, his humanity also just highlighted how wonderful this whole season has been. And I think I've just been very incredibly grateful to him and also to just how the season has kind of borne out. Um, starting off with like, what was, 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 what is, um, Project Runway 2.0 probably going to be like, are we going to like it without Tim or Heidi? And I think I found myself sobbing. I've never sobbed like this. I don't think I've ever 
the last time I really cried was at the end of Christian Siriano's runway show on season four because it was so goddamn good. And this moment, because I just felt like, oh, my God, this is I love this show. <laughs> um, you've They've taken me on a journey where I felt so deeply for these people and got, have gotten to a place where I've responded like this. So that's why like I compared it to Chernobyl, just because like I'm. Any like forms of empathy or humanity just, you know, break me. I just, I really, really, I really appreciated it. Anyway, does that make sense? <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but also I want to point out, I, I got a, we got a wonderful message from um, a listener who sent in, um, sent in a wonderful note on um, on our Facebook page. And so, yeah, so shout out to Lindsay, who also was just like, am I the only one who cried or this is like, no, Lindsay. So all that being said, no. <laughs> um, if any of y'all cried too, let me know. I don't know. I just, I was just sobbing and like, what's happening? I'm just, I've never felt so, so deeply after an episode and I'm a super fan um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I just thought this is great. But at the end of it, you know, in the words of Sebastian, this is the cherry of the cake. We're almost there. And yeah. I just am so excited. I'm sad, but still so excited about this next episode. And, and we're in for a good runway either way. Yeah. Garo and yes. all. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I, I always am so hard on Garo. But I don't dislike Garrow as a mm. person. I don't dislike. No, I don't always like what Garrow designs. But that's fine. I don't like what a lot of people design on the show. But um, yeah, I sometimes feel like I'm being too hard on him. But you know, then sometimes I don't think I'm hard enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, of all the people who can take it, it's Garrow. It's like, listen, I've heard everything everyone has been hard on me you would you would die to hear all the stories that i've heard i've heard all of them he's like okay all right girl yeah, yeah you've been through i know all. you're fine and that's, and that's exactly that <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay so any predictions i mean i know your predictions for next week um oh i already said them oh yes. yeah sebastian <laughs> My my, do you have a prediction of a second or a third? Well, I think Hester's going to take two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Garrow has every potential to take two, but I think Garrow is going to get in his own way. Yeah. I'm not happy about that. Yeah, I'm not happy about that. I I wish he didn't, wouldn't. Um, but I think. That's what pressure does to people, you know, and this show is about pressure. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so listeners. Um, Wait, what about you? Do you want to give your predictions? Oh, yeah. One of my predictions. <laughs> I, I, I predict that Sebastian's going to win. I, yeah, I think, I think he's going to take it. Um, I am so excited to see Hester's though I think out of everyone I'm most looking forward to her runway and that's not just because she's on my bracket I I just I'm I'm really excited so in a way I yeah. I, I hope it's a, a a toss-up and it would be great to have um it be a little you know unclear 
but also because they're so different. Everyone is, is very, very, very different in their styles. And who knows, like maybe Garo has changed it up, but you know, I don't, I don't don't really know. I would love to be surprised. Yeah, me too. Me too. Absolutely. He's made 16 looks. So maybe he'll leave out that swamp thing that he was playing around with. Hopefully (laughs) that will be chucked into the trash can. We'll see. Anyway. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But so before we go, Patricia, any last words? Anything to share with the viewer? I mean, with the listeners and can you remind everyone how they can find you? Well, I think you can, you can, the easiest way to find me next is to be, um, is when Hernez is tweeting, live tweeting the next <laughs> episode. I hope to be live tweeting as well. Um, so you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram with the same handle. And that is sense and sight S E N S E A N D S I G H T. Yay. Um, and yeah, please join us on Twitter. So again, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, hashtag Project Runway, hashtag The Workroom Podcast. And of course, you can find me on social mediums at Ernez on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also on my website, ErnezDavis.com, where you can see my upcoming shows, my recent works. And again, shout out to Frontrunner Magazine and Corinne Beardsley, who interviewed me and featured me. I, I still have the, the link in there. Um, shout out to them. And um, also a shout out to Samilia, where y- you can still find her um, on textileshop.com. And her links are still in the um, description page. And also thank you listeners who have been checking in on her as well. She's, of course, doing amazing and fabulous and very busy. So, um, so yeah, again, follow us on Facebook at um, facebook.com forward slash workroom on Instagram. All those are down there. Um, you know, check out our cheat sheet. And again, keep up with us on our page. Send us notes, send us DMs. Tell us how you're feeling about the end of the show. Are you happy with the top three? Are you sad about the top three? How do you, did you also cry? And also, um, again, um, leave us a review and some feedback on iTunes. That would be great. It really helps other people find us. And if you're not into leaving reviews, that's totally fine. Let your friends know that there is this crazy podcast dedicated to Project Runway and deep dives um, specifically about yeah. the show. So we, we love fanatics and um, that's who we're meant for. <laughs> and if you don't like to leave feedback, that's okay. Just leave lots of heart emojis Yay. instead. Also um, in you don't have to use words and if you are still crying over this episode you can still let us know <laughs> and if i may say one more thing did Nayland's show open in la no not or- yet not yet no. not yet there's, there's okay. something okay. Oh, there's something on the horizon something will come <laughs> something big happening in la when that happens we will let y'all know it's a big deal i know <laughs> i wish i could go we're so excited um yeah all right so that's it from us so until next week we'll both say goodbye bye Bye.